Welcome back to Word of God. We are three English majors who have set out to analyze Supernatural now that it's done to figure out what was it supposed to be, what did it become, and how. I'm Ash, the old-time fan. My pronouns are v, vim, or it, it's, and you can follow me on Twitch at twitch.tv slash ash, man. I'm Emma, the latecomer. I use she, her, and they, them pronouns. You can follow me on Tumblr at lazarusemma. I'm Wyatt, the newcomer. I use he, him pronouns. You can follow me on Twitter at toppelthrones. And you can follow the show on Twitter, Tumblr, and on TikTok at Word of Godcast. Oh, we're going to have some content warnings for these episodes. <laughs> yeah. You're about to hear them. Content warnings for this episode include incest, animal death, death in childbirth, death of a spouse, suicide, death of family, death of a child, torture, infanticide mention, death by stabbing, death by hanging, and suicidal ideation. If you'd like us to warn for something we don't already flag, you can reach us through our ask box on Tumblr or send an email to wordofgodcast at gmail.com. I got no I got no fun pre-synopsis banter for us today. Let's just fucking go into it. I, I hate this fucking episode. I think these episodes are a hell of a stack. Because first we've got Family Remains, which sucks, and then we have Chris Angel's The Douchebag, which is so yes. good. This this Chris Angel's a douchebag is very good. I I I felt very low on the show at the end of Family Remains, and then I watched the next episode immediately, and it was like, okay, okay, this is better. This feels like the chaser to the horrible shot I just took. Yeah, it's okay. The rest of the season is good. Jeremy Carver, yeah. what have you done? Yeah. Okay, let's just fucking get into it. Um, so this is Family. This is episode eleven. Family Remains, written by Jeremy Carver, who has betrayed me. Wrote <laughs> probably my favorite episode of the show, Mystery Spot, and I okay cards on the table before we start. I liked Bugs more than this episode. Bugs was more fun than this episode. I can get behind that. I can, I can also get behind that. All right, it's not a good episode. So we open on a house out in the middle of nowhere. A man is getting drunk watching TV when the power goes out. As he's trying to figure out what happened, a spooky lady he recognizes splatters his blood all over the wall, all over the wall, and he deserved it. We'll find out why. Cut to the boys, parked on a country road at night. Sam's trying to sleep, but Dean has been up <laughs> researching new jobs. He's been running the ragged for a month, um, running from what he... <laughs> I, Emma, I was trying to get through it. I was... <laughs> no, I'm sorry. You were doing so good. And laughing and I broke. <laughs> Alex, you've brought our podcast to a grinding halt. <laughs> he doesn't care. He's playing Elden Ring. Oh. Uh... <laughs> okay cut to the boys parked on a country road at night sam's trying to sleep but dean has been up researching new jobs he's been running them ragged for a month trying to escape what he's told sam last episode about being a hell torturer the next morning they go investigate the house from the cold open which is up for sale they find a sealed section of wall that sam thinks is a dumb waiter and a creepy doll head in a closet which won't actually come up again then they're interrupted by the generic horror movie family who's moving in. A husband and wife, two kids, an older teen, Kate, and a younger boy, Danny, and also a dog who is going to die. I just want to warn you all about that right now, uh, with the formula only broken by the cool uncle also being here. The boys pretend to be health inspectors and scare the family off to go stay at a motel, which the dad is pretty upset about. Next, the boys go investigate the woman who found the crime scene. Mr. Gibson, the corpse, hired her to clean his house. She tells them he was a private man whose wife died in childbirth, and also his daughter hanged herself in the attic at age 20. They ask their usual, see any weird shit question, and apparently she heard weirdness in the walls. But it wasn't the mom or daughter, because they were both cremated. As in, like, wasn't their ghosts. Meanwhile, the cool uncle checked the house for asbestos, and it's clear. Uh, they told the family, it was like, 
oh, there's asbestos in the gas leak. Uh, so the family's moving in. Kate sees the spooky ghost, or what we think is a spooky ghost, and Danny plays a ball with it while the husband and wife have a convo alluding to problems in their lives. Cool Uncle finds Go written in crayon on the wall, and they blame Danny for it. The horror plot is really moving fast here. He says the girl in the walls did it, and she wants him to stay and them to go. She hates grown-ups. Also, that urban legend about the dog-licking thing happens to Kate. Um, <laughs> but also, it's, you know, the the story is like, oh, the the girl found, like, well, I was scared at night, and her dog comforted her by licking her hand, and then her dog came into the room, and oh, no, it wasn't her dog this whole time. There was a creepy man licking her hand. It's a classic, like, campfire spooky story um anyway she screams uh the boys come back try to rescue the family the lights go out their cute dog has been horribly muti- uh mutilated with too late written on their moving truck in his blood oof uh yeah, both the truck and the impala's wheels have gone flat all their guns are gone and the ghost starts to spook them they all go back inside the boys make a salt circle where they convince the family they're ghost hunters they show the kids a picture of the girl who killed herself and it apparently matches the ghost cool uncle turns out to not be cool actually and is going to do the stupid horror movie thing of going off alone but genre savvy dean stops him while sam goes to check the attic for something the ghost might still be attached to as that happens the ghost comes out of the closet and breaks the salt circle (laughs) turns out she's not a ghost she's just a person she and dean have a fight uh, but sam comes back and saves him with a flashlight um, she can't be the daughter. If the, she was the daughter, she'd be 50. If you're guessing where this is going, mm-hmm, yep, it's bad. <laughs> uh, anyway, Danny's gone missing, so the family hides while the boys and the uncle hunt for him. Dean finds a break in the wall leading into a crawl space between the internal and external walls where she's been crawling about. Uh, where he finds a hole in the ground. Down he goes. There's a bunch of chewed-on animal corpses, including the dog from earlier. It's rough. Uh, While Dean's investigating, the uncle is discovered and murdered by the girl. Dean goes and tells the family what happened. We get some exposition here and learn that their oldest son died in a car accident, which is why they moved out here. It doesn't really matter. Sam read the dead girl's diary and learns that the murder girl in the walls is an incest baby who's been locked in the walls for decades. Great. Wonderful. We also get a scene of her eating a rat in front of the son, uh, Danny, who is very freaked out by this. Dean makes his way into the house to go rescue Danny, and as that's happening, the back window of the shed the mom and Kate are hiding in is smashed in dean finds his gun and guns and also danny and oh hey it's twins both of them are attacked the murder boy attacks dean while murder girls attacking the family sam rescues danny with a rope the mom fends off murder girl dean kills murder boy the dad stabs murder girl to death multiple times with a knife off screen in the denouement, the dad of mom's marriage is okay, despite him doing a murder, which I guess is a subplot we care about, and Dean doesn't want to eat a hamburger because he feels a kinship toward those twins while they both kind of dehumanize them. Dean also reveals that he enjoyed doing his torturing in hell. Oof. End of episode. <sighs> it's... Yeah. Okay, my first complaints about this episode is that it's so fucking dark, and I don't mean in content. I mean, like, literally, it is, it is so very dark. fucking dark. Like, they're like, oh, no, our tires are flat. I'm like, I'm going to have to take your word for it. My first complaint is that the recap has nothing to do with the episode. The recap is literally recap. about, like, Dean's emotional problems after hell. It's, like, the almost the entire yeah. scene over again. Which is and like... so it's, it's, you know, it's the conversation they have at the start and the end, but it has no plot relevance to the actual plot because the plot yeah. has I mean, no plot tried... to the season. They tried so hard. They're like, yeah, they and then it, it was actually relevance. a Dean mirror, and it's like, was it though? Was it though? Was it though? Yeah. 
I don't like want to talk about this episode beat for beat. Really, I no. have like four notes. Like I I did the plot. That's what happens in the episode. I definitely want to talk about the themes and what they were trying to say here. But like, if y'all have a couple, I, I don't know if you, how many notes y'all have about like other I, things that happened here. But I don't have many. I have some just like single line notes. You know, like mm-hmm. Dean says about this. Yeah. I love when he uses Yiddish. I have to call that out. Um, there's the bit where like he calls Sam a know-it-all, and Sam's like taken aback by this because it's a completely normal thing to know like we all read spider wick dean um and dean just like this little smile that he managed to piss sam off it's very cute that like that i like the rest of this episode i hate mm-hmm. uh-huh. okay i i also have three things i did like okay name them um thing one metroid prime hunters on the nintendo ds is back baby from wendigo <laughs> um i said in the chat i think it's the same actually no I don't think it is. I think he's playing. I think the it was the DS classic in that episode. The like, uh, the one that didn't f- bend. the fat one, <laughs> the yeah. one that yeah, the the one that was more bricky. Uh, yeah. But I think the kid in this one is playing the new the DS not the DS Lite but the one bef- the like or maybe it is the DS Lite. There were there were like three different versions of the DS. I had a Game Boy Color, so I don't know. Is it DS Lite? Yeah, it's a DS Lite. Uh, it's I think also the same blue DS Lite that I own. Uh, which is fun. Why uh, that's sitting here to be in my supernatural drawer. Supernatural character coded. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> anyway, yeah, it's Met- it's Metroid Prime Hunters again. I feel like that is probably the same prop. They didn't want to go buy a new DS game. It's like, oh, we got this lying around in the prop house. Mm-hmm. Um. Anyway, yeah, I I was entertained by that. Uh, other thing I liked, well, kind of liked in a way that I thought was funny, is the uncle does the hey guys, you want to come see this in a way that like. <laughs> This is really one of the most, like, the boys just stumbled into, like, a shitty horror movie. Oh, yeah, it's, um, it's definitely, like, cheesy horror to the max. And, like, I can't tell if they're doing it as a parody or if this just happens yeah. to be really cheesy horror. Yeah. Um, I mean, the family, like, it's so, it's two kids and a dog. It's the, like, teen girl who's grumpy about being here. Mm-hmm. This is every, like, shitty horror movie family in a they way. They literally that make like, a joke, like, is there any signal out here? You know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Literally making um, the comment of like, oh, things will be different out here. Yeah. yeah, yeah nothing yeah, bad yeah. happens in the country. It's like they have this... in a river. Yeah, because normally, this is going into the themes a little bit. Normally, the point of these movies is the like horror that happens ties into the thematic content of these people's lives. Mm-hmm. And I guess like loss of a child co- connects vaguely, but also not really in any way that like fits. Um, yeah, it it just felt perfunctory. It was literally just like, what if you went to a house and there was someone scary there? Like, yeah, what? yeah. Um, the one other thing I liked is the like night vision camera scene where the dot with the spooky murder girl eats a rat in front of Danny. I thought was pretty good in terms of like it was genuinely freaky. It, <laughs> yeah, it was, no, the, yeah, the night vision was, was a cool choice. I'll allow it, it. I it makes me wonder about like I guess this is another. A piece of evidence of ghost chasers effect because it's like that makes you aware of the camera's presence yes in yeah. like a really weird way that has always made me wonder yeah because alex was watching he was like yeah, it's oh, a they weird have choice. night vision i was like no that's just the camera yeah it's super weird i wonder if they tried to shoot it um and like it was too dark and they didn't want to illuminate it because that would ruin the like spooky atmosphere of the darkness and like uh, there's a quality they get out of the night vision in a way that makes it spookier. Like her eyes in the night vision, mm-hmm. she has the, these like big, wide, 
eyes because and I guess that may also be why they didn't want to light it is because like her pupils wouldn't be dilated in the same way. Um, I don't know. She looks really freaky there. I guess actually there is one other thing I liked about this episode, which is the actress that played yeah, the spooky murder really girl did have a very good like physicality to mm-hmm. her performance. The bit yeah. where she like walks over the salt line, there's like extremely creepy yeah. lighting. She has really good like almost zombie-ish walking quality. It's good. That was good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. She's all kind of hunched because she's been living in the walls. Mm-hmm. I think this uh, episode would have been better if they had shot it entirely in night vision. Oh, wow. Oh, you're that right. Would you, would be... have, you would have fixed it. Mm-hmm. That way we wouldn't have to worry about the dark-ass lighting. It also mm. would have been a cool, like, directing technique rather than just used in that one scene. Yeah. Um, yeah oh, yeah. Who did direct this one? It was um, Phil Screecha. There we go. Who is a good director, and I thought the directing in this episode was pretty good, even yeah, if it was really dark. Yeah, they have a lot really of wide dark, shots. that's not his. Like, thing. enough that I noticed. Or, like, I don't know, pulled back. Yeah, why... Wide shots, like, outside and then inside, lots of, like, really cramped, like, Mm close-in shots, especially when Dean was investigating. Like, the... This is a... Like, the tension in this episode was all right in terms Mm -hmm. of, like, doing a spooky. Um, And the pacing was pretty good. Yeah, I just feel like you can't pull off two twists this big in 40 minutes without it feeling very stupid. Uh Uh-huh. Like, okay, oh, no, it's, it's not a ghost, it's actually M. just a girl in the walls. And then it's like, it's actually two people in the wall. Like, what? They set up the twin reveal because, like, I guess the the lit hand licking thing was the son and not the not the daughter, the murder boy. I always assumed it was her, just because yeah. she does literally everything up until the end. No, oh, I'm pretty sure that was supposed to be him, because like the 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 like sounds that were made were like deeper. I'm pretty sure. I guess that's fair. Yeah. It's just a. It's they set that up and then make you forget about it, which I did. See, yeah, it never. It never read it. the The twin thing comes well, so see. out of the blue. It's so M Night heterosexuality. Twist. Oh yes, of course. Um, yeah. It would be the boy licking the girl's hand. Yeah. Of course. Um. Oh, I do have one other good note. Oh, I guess two oh, other yeah. good notes. Um, one is when Uncle Ted gets killed. Uh, Dean makes like a face where he's he's like he's genuinely scared. Like, he just watched someone get killed yeah. right in front of his face, and he can't do anything about it, and if he makes any noise, he'll be next. It was good. Nice jacking there. Um, and then mm-hmm. my next note is, besides the end scene that I want to talk about, we have um, Sam makes a comment about how the Winchesters and cops have a sort of mutual appreciation joke. Um, so Sam is mm-hmm. no longer a cop apologist. <laughs> we love to see it. Yeah. Growth. Um, I'm also curious about like how long ago the guy who owned the house died because like if it's already sold I felt like it's probably a few months interesting it's weird that know. they didn't pick up on it like earlier you know um, uh they're busy i suppose well dean's been keeping I them love- hopping from case to case so they haven't really been looking for more cases until they're done with the one they're in the middle of maybe i guess that's true yeah, yeah. Uh, i love dean's little know-it-all um i find danny a very uh unrealistic character Oh, yeah. yeah. He's literally like, like, oh, there's a thing in my closet. Let's play ball with it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, he's so naive and, like, innocent. Danny feels like like he he was written to be, like, four years old. Yeah, exactly. Which, like, I'm I'm unable to not think about Danny from The Shining here as, like, a horror movie child named Danny. And Danny from The Shining is, like, five. Mm. It's like, I don't know if it's a... I mean, he doesn't... His Danny-like qualities are solely his, like 
childhood in child's like innocence and like, the he's fact accused that like of drawing on the walls with crayon like 12 yeah. don't do it's that. like i feel like this was written for like a tiny child and like they couldn't get like an act like a child actor that young yeah because so they just got this this boy like yeah and even then i'm kind of always like i kind of always roll my eyes at the like child being portrayed as like naively fearless oh yeah because children are scared of the darkness under their beds like you're telling me if a creepy girl came out of the child's closet they would not be scared fucking shitless like they're scared of creaky houses which is valid i'm scared of creaky houses but like it it never really reads very real for me in horror movies it requires just a little bit too much suspension of disbelief for me yeah like in the color out of space movie that uh we watched why it it makes more sense to me there because it's like brainwashy. Yeah, but even well, then... and the same thing for Danny in The Shining, where like he's got The Shining, he's a psychic mm-hmm. boy. It's like the house is having an effect on him, or the hotel, I guess. But you know, yeah. Um, but yeah, I like I like when like I like it when it's like the kid is fearless because like they are a child, and in some ways like the supernatural thing is like having some kind of mm-hmm. effect on them. Yeah. Um. But but yes, I feel like this boy should have been scared by the thing in the wall throwing the ball at him. Yeah. No. Um. And I, I was scared of everything as a child, but, like, even then. Same. Um, also, I was scared like, of quicksand. I feel I wouldn't... She's She's gotta be real stinky. Oh, yeah. In a way that, like, <laughs> feels like it should be off-putting. Oh, yeah. Here's my wall ball friend. She smells like dead raccoon. Yeah. <laughs> it's very strange. Um, I do want to shout out Kate's scream when she realizes that Buster was not licking her hand. Yeah. Uh, it's a good horror movie good. screen. Uh, Rip Buster. Yeah. Rip fucking Buster. Um, I love that Dean says nobody else is dying tonight. Like, yeah, we draw the line at the dog. And then the uncle dies. Rip. And then the uncle dies. Yep. Yeah. Uh, when Dean goes down in the hole and he just keeps chanting, "Please, nobody grab my leg. Please, yeah, nobody grab my leg." I was gonna call that literally. Out. So that cute. is me. Every yeah. time I reach under my bed, I'm like, "Please, nobody touch right. me." Um, it's cute. Yeah, he was very pretty this episode. Also, we get a shot in like the very beginning of Sam sleeping in, I think, the back seat, um, which is mm-hmm. is very cute. It was good, Sammy. Mm-hmm. He's cute, yeah. Um, and I think at some point the dad says like, "Why do you care? Or why do you want to save us?" And I don't think Dean answers, yeah. but I wrote in my notes, "Atonement," and I'm just yeah. 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 <sighs> um. They refer to her as barely human twice in this episode. All right, let's yeah, let's save that for something... later. Yeah, we'll, okay. I have, yeah, that's we'll going to be that. the brunt of the conversation about this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, they also they also call her a bitch twice. Ted once and Dean yes. once. When Dean finds his guns, it literally looks like a room before a boss fight. There's like straight up a <laughs> kit on the floor. I'm like, oh, cool, a healing item. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, and then my last note is Shyamalan ass plus plot twist yeah um that's it very funny that danny apparently just like knew about her brother and he's just like did not share this uh-huh, information uh-huh uh-huh danny exists to be a plot construct to deliver the piece of information when it is which again if he's four he might not think to share it but if yep. he's 12 yep. he should know better yep. Yep. i kind of assumed that he was introduced to 
the brother while he was down there and he didn't know about him oh, originally. Yeah, that's fair. But you oh, think yeah, that would be like the first thing he said. That is also what I thought. But he could have, yeah, he's like, hey, hey, Dean, hey, man, oh, watch out. Yeah. There's another one. And then he didn't bother to tell Sam, like, hey, your brother's getting his ass whipped down there. Yeah. You probably want to help <laughs> yeah. him. Danny crimes. Bad writing. We're canceling this 12-year-old. Yeah. No, I'm canceling the writing of this 12-year-old. Yeah. yeah. Oh, on the note, though, um, when Dean is saving Danny, he goes, like, watch your head. He's taking care yeah. of little kids. Yeah, so true. Yeah. Um, do we wanna if we're if we're done with the small things, do we wanna yeah, talk about yeah, the monster theme or do we wanna talk about the hell conversation first? Let's save that for the very end, because that's yeah. the start and the beginning. This is going to be the shortest time we spend talking Probably. about an episode of Supernatural ever. Probably. Yeah. Maybe. We'll see. That's what happens um, when you write a okay. really bad episode. <laughs> I I want to and like a really bad episode that's like not even fun to talk about really. Yeah. yeah. Um I want to start us off by pointing out a thing. So the point Dean says at the end of this episode that like they were animals defending territory. These I I was going to call them children. They're like intellectually I'd say they're probably they're like supposed to be children. They're like young adults. They're like in their 20s, I guess. They've been in the walls for a long time. They have writing they write. They write too. They have the concept of being too late. These are people. Like, as, as animalistic as they are, the fact that they know how to communicate in writing, somehow they learn to write. Um, they have the concept of, like, threatening and scaring someone off in a, like, abstract thought sort of way that an animal would not have. Again, again, they can write. They have language. These aren't monsters or animals. These are people. Yeah. And it like it's so annoying. <laughs> like if you want if you wanted to dig if you wanted to portray them like as animals or monsters, I guess do that. I don't know. Like that was also bad to me and like dehumanizing. But like th the show fucking contradicts itself. I think it's because they're I mean, obviously, it's bad writing is the reason. But I think it's because they're trying yes. to set up the ghost red herring. And if you treat it as like a yes. creature living and in it the house and you don't have the ghosts. Yeah. And it's the one thread you can pull that unravels the whole shittily tied yeah. knot. Yeah. This episode does not hold water at all. Also, in the cold open, he says something like, when he sees her, he goes, something like, it's impossible. Like, I guess yeah, the implication what is that? Like, is he's that, been like, feeding them. He knows they're in there. Exactly. Mm -hmm. I think the implication afterwards is supposed to be like, it's impossible for her to have gotten out. But how hard could it possibly be? Um, and she, like, she's supposed like strong to... too. It's another just like, like later she knocks headings. a grown woman over. Yeah. Um, also, like, it's just so weird that his his name is Gibson, right? Yeah. The dad, uh, the 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 dead, the corpse, the evil guy. Yes. Yeah. Um, the dude who yeah. be became a father and a grandfather. Yeah, it's very strange that he. First of all, in the diary, it said that he called her a whore uh -huh. and that the baby was going to be locked up forever. My brother in Christ, you put the baby in her. Well, that didn't actually bother me. That feels right for like the sort of fucked up type of person who would do this. I like, suppose. I but know. also, I'm like, if you're going to be like nasty and like lock them in the walls and, and shit, why don't you just like. Why didn't you just drown the baby in a well? I'm sorry, uh -huh. that's really horrible, but like, it just feels like that would have been more yeah, realistic. Yeah, it's weird to that he me. spent like 20 years 
feeding two babies that he didn't want. Yeah, exactly. Like, it would have been, like, so much easier yeah. to, like, get rid of them. I mean, I don't know. People but have they fucked need up to be alive for the plot. Toward, like, children. Yeah, I'm not saying have, it's, like, completely impossible, but it's, it's weird that they didn't even, yeah. like, try to write around that. I mean, this is the thing. There are, like, this is not beyond the pale of, like, things that humans do to each other. I like there are true. there are stories of like children who like were locked up in like entirely one room or like a shed for all their lives. There's like a there's a um there's a book uh that also got made into a movie that I uh did for a class called Room um which is not like this um is also much better than this cuz it's not like this in that like there is a community because it's a mother and a child um who have been locked in one room for like the child's entire life. Um, and like, I think feel like 10 years of the mother's life, uh, which is based on a true story of a thing that happened. Um, again, those, that's two people. There is like, like, but also this was also two people. It's mm -hmm. like two people who were born at the same time. Like the mother had like, was a, was a full human, um, in terms of like having been raised in community, uh, and could thus pass that on to her child. Um, but it's like, you know, people do fucked up things to each other. Yeah. It's just on top of everything else, this whole time I was like, this episode is so needlessly dark. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. just, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, it's fucking miserable. Yeah. Like, it's one thing to have, like, a shit plot for that has, like, thematic repercussions. This is literally a Monster of the Week episode that sounds like Jeremy Carver wrote and then was like, okay, how do we connect it to the season four plot? Yeah. It yeah. does not work. So the whole time I'm like, this is stupid. None of this should have happened. <laughs> yeah. There's not enough time spent on like, like they try to be a little bit sympathetic at times while also being deeply dehumanizing. And like that would have made it work better for me if they had done that like more effectively. But as it is, it's like, this is literally like everybody is a cardboard cutout that's just serving the plot's purpose and the plot's not <laughs> even good. <laughs> yeah. At the very least, they could have shown, like, the um, dad's brutal murder of the girl as, like, a thing that, like, tore the family up in a way that could be, like, ironic at the very least. There's like, oh, literally they just, like, a to... one second where they look at him holding the bloody knife, and then next yeah. scene, they're over it. Yeah. yeah. Um, I should say for the pod, I was, like, I feel like I didn't want to do research into, like, the actual realistic... Like, the, the way that people who have been uh, locked in a room for all their life or, like, uh, raised or, like, grew up without community or parentage, like, children who were, like, left in the wild or, like, you know, other, like, quote-unquote feral children, that sort of thing. Like, this is a thing that happens. There's, like, you could go read about it. I have no idea how much research Jeremy Carver did. Probably not a lot. Um, And it's, like, the the... The realism aspect of this is uninteresting to me in more so than like, what are you trying to say with it? Mm -hmm. And like, you know, you could do something interesting with a story about that in the way that I just talked about with Room, which I thought was like a good and interesting like novel and movie. Um, it's like it had something to say about like people. Um, I don't think this episode had anything to say about people. No, no. sometimes people are mean. Yeah. yeah. 
Like it, it's, it, 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 it gives like a half-hearted stab at trying. It's like sometimes people do bad things because bad things happen to them. And yeah, that's like, why Dean um, feels bad for them. And it's like, yeah, Dean says, I'm just going to read this line because I feel like it'd be productive to have. Yeah. You know, I felt for these, those sons of bitches back there. Lifelong torture turns you into something like that. Yeah. But like. Sorry, Emma, did you, did you finish your thought? No, I just, I, I don't have, like, a coherent thought to make. I feel like it's just, like, yeah. yeah. Like, it's sad that Dean <laughs> went through what he did, and I like that he ha is, like, is using that as an entry point. Like, I don't mind the writing using Monster of the Week as a way to talk yeah. about Dean's feelings. That's, like, a premise of the show. But mm -hmm. I don't like this episode enough to even enjoy that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so inconsistent. Like, the whole the whole episode... It wants to have its cake and eat it, too, mm -hmm. of, like, this is a scary, evil creature, but also... But also empathize with her. Yeah. Um, it Yeah. It does not... It does not work. Well, the yeah, him like, also... The brother the, barely gets empathized with, because, like, he just shows up and gets shot immediately. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's literally <laughs> He's there as a plot device. He's on screen for, like, 30 seconds. He's literally there, so you can be like, ah, oh, no, the Dean's in danger. Yeah. But he's got a gun and like this is a this is a boy who's been in the walls for 20 years like no chance against Dean. Yeah. Yeah. Little cave spider of a man. Um yeah. like the this episode has something that it, like gestures towards in terms of like the monster human divide we talk about so much because it you think that it's a ghost and then it turns out it's a person but then it does it are these people qualified quote unquote to like do they qualify as people yeah. um and then it's like but they, they are people. They are literally people. Um, I think this is mm -hmm. probably, That's yeah, Dean twice says something about, like, humans, man. Which, like, so are they human? Is that what you're saying? Uh -huh. Stick to it. Like, it's, it's so When they bad. are human, it's like, if... I So, my, like, theory of personhood is a lot about, like, you are a person... You make yourself, you are made and make the community around you. Like, people are people because we have each other. Like, a human in utter isolation probably could not develop full personhood in that way because you need other people. Pe peopleness comes from, like, integration and, like, being, like, having language and community and being, like, with other people is, is what I broadly think. That doesn't mean that if you're not a person, like, you are, like, you don't matter, but just, like, the concept of being a person, I think, comes from, like, relations with other beings. Um, and also, so, we like... Get, on that note, we get no, like, hint of any relationship between the siblings. Like, they're yes, literally that's not what on I was screen about to at say. the same time. <laughs> We have no idea how yeah. they relate to each other. This is what I was say. You could be the thing. It was like, oh, this is a human who is an animal. And, like, that is not uh, justification for, like, killing her, doing bad things to her. Like, she could probably develop into a person if, like, with enough help uh, and, like, bringing her into culture and society. Um, but, like, the there are two people here. There is a community. They have language. Mm -hmm. Like... They are smart. Like, they use tactics with each other. Like, er like, so it's not even saying the thing of, like, oh, a person, like, a human without community is an animal. Like, and again, a, a lot of the this language is, like, weighted. I, animal n is not a bad thing. It's just, like, a, it's just a ontological category that I'm using. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's not even saying that. Like, it's, it's literally the... Like, both the words on the wall and the, like, twist 
like even ruins the thing that they could have been saying about this. So just a mess. Yeah, it's not good. Want to talk about the hell conversation? Yeah, I guess so. Fuck, I guess so. Yeah. Okay, it's also a very short scene. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, it's a callback to when, in the middle of the episode, Dean says something about how, like, they went through hell and turned them into this. And Sam's like, you yeah. actually went through literal hell. I don't think that this, yeah. this is the same. Which is weird, because usually Sam is more sympathetic towards monsters. But I guess this is his jokerification still. So, um, I can allow it. Um, and Sam says, you're not them. They were barely human. Who is this Sam? This is not Sammy. Um, and Dean says, I wasn't mm-hmm. like them. I was worse. They were animals defending territory, like Wyatt said. Me, I did it for the sheer pleasure. He says he enjoyed it. I tortured souls and I liked it. I hope my boyfriend don't mind it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like in the middle of the scene, I started laughing and I was like, what? I, was like, I just know this Tumblr post. All those years, all that pain, finally getting to deal out some yourself. I didn't care who they put in front of me because that pain I felt, it just slipped away. No matter how many people I save, I can't change that. I can't fill this hole, not ever. Which is too uh, good of a line to end this fucking too episode good of a line on. for this episode. Yeah. This is the only like genuinely good character moment in this episode with Dean being hollow because that's that like consistent characterization. Uh-huh. <laughs> thinking about season Yells five, in season five. <laughs> yeah we're almost there we're almost there um i like how dean is not eating as a sign of not being okay like he's he's acting yeah. out of character that was a good note dean not eating a hamburger gasp yeah yeah he enjoyed torturing people it's like again it sort of fits into the theme of like Anything bad happens to uh, you are forged by your environment. Dean became this in hell because he was tortured for 30, 30 years and because he was pressed by the community in question into being a torturer. Like you can be molded by uh, like enough accretion will mold you into something else. Uh, like who you are is flexible, et cetera, mm-hmm. et cetera. Um, but again, well- that. Go on. Also, one of the aspects that makes actual torture in real life ineffective is that after a certain point, most people will say anything to make it stop. Yeah. So, like, even barring that, the fact that Dean was going through that every day for 30 years, I it, it like, psychically, I can see where his head was at, is, like, you know, the thing of, like, I don't deserve to, for this to be happening to me. Uh, and the satisfaction you can get of, like, making other people feel as horrible as you are. It's not good. Mm-hmm. It's not a justification. But, like, no. I totally understand what sense. led him to yeah. that point. And, like, and of yeah. course that's what I'm just, hell I'm is just trying for. to imagine, like, a Dean Crit being that's like, actually, he was a torturer for ten years. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's... Can't, Dean Winchester canceled. <laughs> Listen, Wyatt, you don't know what it's like out there. You haven't been in the discourse trenches. I don't. I isolate myself on purpose. I mean, that's part of, like, that's part of why, like, it's all just fucking stories. Like, that's Mm -hmm. the, like, the morality of the character is not interesting in so far as, like, what they're trying to say with the morality of the character. Yeah. And, like... I do, annoyingly, I do think what they're trying to say here is interesting of, like, what what is penance? Or, like, does peasant penance matter? Like, di- and it's, like, I hope, 
there's no way of doing it because all the people he tortured in hell. If I was writing this, I would find some way of like making Dean have to literally on screen reconcile with a one of the souls in hell he, he tortured. I don't know. Maybe okay, make a so demon we, we show can talk back about up this more in like... two weeks. Okay. 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 <laughs> all right. Good. I don't know if it will do what you want, but it will do something. Okay. Well, <laughs> yeah, I'll say what I have to say about that then. Um, yeah. No, I want to hear your prediction or your wish list. Oh. Oh, I mean, yeah, just that. Like, I want... Right now, I think this is interesting, but also, like, we are... We only see the Dean that is on screen. Like, Dean can say whatever we want, but we're watching a visual medium where, like, action and what the camera is on matters more than... Or, like, is as important, if not more important, than dialogue. And the fact that all this happened off screen means it's easier to, like not think about and i want the show to confront it because i think that would be interesting okay it's it's the same it's the same question as in uh 211 or maybe it was 111 in the benders where it's like that's 115 bestie god damn it (laughs) i thought i was being good uh okay anyway yeah there's definite benders connection with this episode yeah of like how far does a human have to go to be considered a monster but also if a human is under duress mm-hmm. and they pass that line, does yeah. that change anything? And it it question it it brings into question that binary paradigm of human versus monster, but without any teeth to it. They don't yeah. want to investigate yeah. it further because it would have long-reaching implications about the show. And this is a formulaic monster of the week show yeah. that is dealing with the apocalypse. They don't have time to think about right and wrong with regards to the hunter community. They don't care about that. They care about you know, the actual, like, overarching plot, which is a failing of Supernatural in general, is it, it, it doesn't rec- recognize or reconcile the, the smaller stakes in favor of the bigger stakes, because after this season, the years start coming and they don't stop coming. Uh-huh. And so, like, occasionally you'll get moments like this where you have, like, stuff that means big things to characters, or you'll have, like, little character arcs, or you'll have, like, interpersonal conflict, but... By the next season, it's not going to mean anything. Like, uh-huh. people do fucked up shit to each other in this show, but they're still all a happy family in the end. Oh, and this is this is where it's... Dean credits come in, because, like, the things that Dean and, you know, the other characters, but, like, specifically the things that Dean does in later seasons, is, like, why would they forgive him for that? And there's, like, mm-hmm. a lot of justifications, whether it's the meta narrative or the I think this was out of character, therefore it didn't happen argument, or mm-hmm. just, like, the... um situational like pressures on him like there are reasons in and out of the narrative that make him do those things but like what is making his family forgive him besides the fact that they need to forgive him so he can move to the next plot um and so for some people the answer is that they don't want to forgive dean and i think that's not a very helpful approach and i love my little boy but i haven't seen later seasons Dean winchester is a funky little man that we play around with in our minds you know it's like he's just a cow rotating for free (laughs) (laughs) for any show that goes on this long like there are many dean winchesters dean winchester contains multitudes uh in a way that's like similar to comic book characters also too you know of like this this like icon that has been has been written by so many people can be imagined in so many different ways the most interesting thing about dean winchester is like what you can do with him or like what mm-hmm. you can take away from like all of the various um all of the like there is there is so much Dean Winchester 
screen time in existence mm-hmm. that you can build whatever Dean you want in a lot of well, ways, yeah. you know? <laughs> yeah. I think there are times when you can um, use a character's actions and and draw a conclusion and be like, okay, this character is a bad person in, like, self-contained things. And, like, we can argue about the, like, usefulness of that, but, like, in self-contained things where it's like, yeah, this character is a blatant fascist and the narrative, mm-hmm. the narrative treats them that way, then, like, I feel like there's a little bit of a ledge to stand on. But with characters that have been around yeah. for so long that have so many inconsistencies, the same thing happens with, like, the Doctor. Sorry, yeah. again. <laughs> but um, No, I think the Doctor's useful comparison because the Doctor's a mass murderer, but also mm-hmm. there are on so many accounts. Doctors. And, like, literally so many Doctors, and that both written by so many people, but also played by so many people. Mm-hmm. And each of those iterations is a different person. Yeah, I was thinking if, of Spider-Man. Like, they have the memories. Yeah, Spider-Man. Like, every Spider-Man yeah. is Spider-Man. They're all, well, most of them are Peter Parker. Um, but they're they're different people, even though... They're all supposed to be the same guy. And, like, the problem with Supernatural is that Dean is all of those within the same universe and sometimes other universes, but overlapping with this universe. Like, it's, there's so much Dean. Yeah, and I think we mentioned this a while ago, but, like, when you have a character that goes on for so long and is written by so many people, there are character aspects that collide with each other, that don't make sense together, that, um get you know written off that get forgotten that don't actually that should have long lasting connotations that don't actually carry out and it's just it's just a failure of like the human mind and i and like the writing medium of like you can't be you can't have a character be consistent for 15 years with 10 different people yeah it's impossible like and and also i think like it's not useful to like try and, and and put characters especially in supernatural yeah. of all things into these boxes of like good person and bad person no they're all bad people that's the point like <laughs> you they sh- literally like, kill things every week yeah and it's like we can love them and call them our blorbos and feel sorry for them but also we can have both of those things in our brains at the same time yeah like is dean an asshole is he like can he be a manipulative abusive dick yes can Sam be a manipulative, abusive dick? Yes. Is Cass sometimes a manipulative, abusive dick? <laughs> yes, yes, and that's why we they love are him. All... Exactly. I'm like... a Castiel apologist. He's done nothing wrong ever, except for the war crimes, and those were justified. <laughs> those were justified, exactly. Well, and, like, that, tum- that Tumblr post is, like, a great example of what we're talking about. Yeah, it's like, and we can, we can have two things in our heads at once. We can enjoy, it's like with villains and stuff. Like, yeah, he's yeah. a villain. He's a bad guy. But also, he's fun and sexy and campy. So, like, you know, (laughs) there are some things where it's like I can draw certain conclusions about a person depending on whether or not they are willing to ignore, say, Kylo Ren, who is like a literal space Nazi. Yeah. (laughs) Like that, that's, I feel like that says something about you. But if it's like Captain Hook or whatever, you're like, yeah, he killed some, some children off screen, but also he's got a fun wig, you well, know? I mean, like, I, Honestly, this is actually, like, to, to, to really start to spin off of Supernatural, like, Kylo Ren is actually a good example of what you just God, said. I remember that, that like, post yes, that was a... like, yeah, Kylo Ren is femme-coded. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> All the people comparing Kylo to Ren to Zuko, 
Oh um, my god. Let me finish what I was trying to say. Kylo Sorry. Ren is the like Captain Hook like killing children off screen though. Cause like the the things we see him do on screen, this is what I meant about like Dean also doing all that torturing on screen. A character's actions like that are not on screen, like don't matter in terms of like what the camera is trying to say about them. He, like I mean, that's this the, is that's I guess the... I guess spoilers for whichever one is eight, but like he did literally kill his dad on screen in front of us. It's true. And his dad yeah, was Han like a... Solo, so like I don't forgive yes. him for that. No, no absolutely fair. not. Fuck that bitch. <laughs> that's fair. Um, but like that's the thing is like we see him do that. We don't see him do like the space Nazi stuff. We see him do like the big like family drama, like, oh, he's killed his dad because like he is it is the reverse of like the like Luke forgiving his dad of like we see someone feeling the light like turning to the dark in that way. It's like, oh, it's mirrored here. It is like operatic in a way that like people often like find operatic characters interesting because they are like beyond human. They are like oh, yeah. here to like project your feelings onto. In, I suppose I in should a like broad um, in a way that's like themes matter more than actions, I guess. Mm-hmm. I, I think I should clarify. I don't think it's wrong to think Kylo Ren is an interesting villain. Like sure. Mm-hmm. Whatever. I like some, some shitty people as villains. Um, like the the guy in uh Rebecca not Rebecca Black <laughs> <laughs> the guy David Tennant plays the evil gross one. I haven't actually seen all of that show, but like Jessica I've seen Jones. Enough... yeah Jessica oh. Jones. I know it was a name. Um, like that is like unf- an unfathomably evil character. Yeah. Do I think he rocks as a villain? Absolutely. Yeah. First of all, because David Tennant is a talented actor. Yeah. And second of all, because I love to fucking hate him. There are some villains that have teeth and some that don't. And it's totally fine to like be like, yeah, this is an interesting character. Um, their, their, you know, influence over the narrative is important. And it's always important how the narrative sees the character as well. If the narrative portrays them as a villain, mm-hmm. that's good. Um, it is not okay, however, to be like... Oh, Kylo Ren isn't responsible for any of the bad things he's done. Because yeah, he was maybe mistreated by his parents, which is absolutely not canon or even subtext. It's just something we decided to make up. He was mistreated by his, like, second dad, his his Luke Skywalker dad, who did try to kill him. Yes. Um, we're not he here to litigate to Kylo him. Ren. I mean, I guess the point is what I'm saying is, like, character litigation is uninteresting to me mm-hmm. unless there is... Like, something you're trying to dig out of, like, what the narrative is trying to say beyond, like, excusing this character's crime. Like, the character... Characters don't exist. Like, crimes don't exist either. The interesting thing is, like, why... um, Like, why it was said that they did this, or, like, what the story is trying to say by why they did this, etc. And, like, there's lots of things to pull out from there. I don't know. We're, like... It's less important to be like, this character is a good person or a bad person, or this character is unredeemable or whatever, because the idea of redemption is inherently problematic anyway. And also they don't exist. Yes. It's more important to me of like how you interact with the, the reality this character is meant to portray. Like, do you see and recognize that this character is in the wrong? Do you like, do you, like put on blinders and pretend that like there's nothing wrong with this character and that real people don't act like this and those real people should not be given a platform you know like yeah 
it's it's between like wubifying and just being like, yeah, this is a character who has a purpose in a narrative that is interesting to me. Yeah, which I think is one of the failures of this episode also because yes. like when it comes to the Thank human you, monster Anna. question, <laughs> like for the segue. Yeah. Um like I think the more interesting argument or I, I get I don't know, maybe more straight straightforward argument would be like this um father, I guess, the grandfather, let's say, is uh, you know the human monster of the episode because he's the reason for behind it he's done horrible things he's mm-hmm. despicable um but like he died in the cold open so there's nothing to engage with there like yeah. they don't even like go oh man that guy was messed up they just go like ew that was gross and move on because he's dead yeah. so like what are they going to dig yeah. up so they have to just deal with the current problem which is that these murder children are trying to kill them and this other innocent family and so they have to deal with that and how do you deal with it? Well, even though they're human, they're no longer, like, qualified as human under a way that protects them from Winchester, so we can shoot them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, like, they acknowledge that, like, what happened to these kids is fucked up. Um, sorry, Alex is unboxing a board game in the background. He's very <laughs> excited about it. So if you hear click-a-clackin', that's him. I do. Um, don't worry. You, you're good. Uh, <laughs> but, like, they acknowledge that what happened to these kids is unimaginably horrible. And we'll do, do, we'll do fucked up things to a person's brain. Like, trauma does yeah. that. Trauma will make you do things. Not always, you know, cool, cool story, still murder, but, like, also, you know, like, they acknowledge is, the, like, nuance this of... This even feels like something beyond trauma. Like, this is the whole lives of these characters. Yeah. Like, it's, it's... I'm not a psychologist, so I can't, like, analyze what, like, what goes on in these kids heads and stuff but like they want to acknowledge the nuance of like people will do horrible things when pressed to the brink but then also that even pressed to the brink apparently these people deserve to be murdered um rather than like tried to help um yeah yeah and it's it's like both of them are killed in self-defense in a way that which is how the show gets away with it yes exactly like it's hard to argue with it but as like in the moment but that's the show that's the decision these characters don't exist it's the decision a writer made to say a thing yeah like like, did the dad do anything wrong by stabbing her when she was about to kill his family like maybe not but should the story have been written in a way that made him do that yeah Mm. yeah 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 and of like it's always weird in genre stuff like this because morals are blown way out but also if you're going to have like normal people morals you have to like address those in a normal people way you know i don't know Mm -hmm. if that makes any sense but like yeah it's hard to it's hard to like when when the the picture is so big it gets hard to like keep it in that scope Mm -hmm. but you still should like at least nod to it and not act like the people are no longer people that's sort of the other like thing about supernatural also and like is it it is in so many modes like mm-hmm. it is simultaneously that like uh, star wars like operatic uh like mm-hmm. end of the world stakes like things so above and beyond what like would happen to a normal human in our reality mm-hmm. that it's like the actions matter less than like what they what the like meaning of it is mm-hmm. um and like uh i guess like to pull in like 
another like operatic thing like steven universe or whatever like a kid's show where like the the core is like what it's trying to say about feelings and the fact that like the feelings are externalized with like the character's relationship to his mother with these like empire building like space aliens like the fact that they're imperialist doesn't matter like that's not the that's not the moral framework of the show um and like the i guess the weird thing about supernatural is like it has multiple moral frameworks like, it has simultaneously the moral framework that is so outside of our, outside of anything that could even happen, of, like, Dean being a torturer for 10 years because he was tortured for 30 years by demons, and, like, also the, like, messy individual small-scale moral framework that does matter and is a thing that could happen, which is a person attacking two people that, like, are your family who you want to protect, and so, like, attacking them back and killing them. Like, that's a thing that happens and has happened thousands of times. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I don't even know, I don't think the narrative would have to portray Brian as evil for killing her in self-defense, but at least acknowledge that, like, you just killed a person. Yeah. That I would have liked to save your family, I'd... but, like, you have to reconcile with that. Like, yeah. that's a traumatizing thing. Like the like what I said a while ago now, uh, gestures to you being like, oh, I bet we're not going to talk about this episode very long. No, we <laughs> can get an done. interesting conversation out of anything, hopefully. Hopefully you're enjoying this, listeners. Um, the thing I said a while ago of like, I wish this had fucked up their marriage because that's interesting. It's like, mm -hmm. it's interesting to sit with, oh, you did the... I, this is... Okay, we can segue into talking about the next episode from this. Oh, you did the right thing. But was it the mm. right thing? Or, like, it also ruined everything around you. And yeah. what does that mean? And, and like, instead how we do get you this, like, milquetoast, like, we're the opposite uh -huh. of okay, but we're together, hand-holding, thanks. Yeah. And, like, yeah. that's it. Yeah. That's the last we see them. Yeah. Like, I don't know. If I saw, like, a family member of mine, like, murder someone in cold blood right in front of me to save me, that, there'd be... We'd have to talk a lot. There'd be a lot of, like... There... <laughs> That's a complicated thing to deal with, mm -hmm. even if it was, even if they did literally save my life. Like, I yeah. also watched them, I mean, I guess, and they also don't see it happen, which helps, I guess. But still, they heard, yes, they heard him stabbing the fuck out of that girl. Yeah, it's, yeah. <sighs> anyway, we're gonna take a break now. When we come back, we're gonna talk about a much better episode. Oh, wait, do we have actor yeah, facts? bad episode, good conversation. Oh, right, actor facts, darn it. Oh, yeah. Oh, uh, that was a big good segue. Oh, well. Yeah. Okay, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna leave it in. I did it, even though it <laughs> Let's talk about these actors for a second. Um okay. Uh so first of all, um Helen Slater, who plays the mother, is Eliza Danvers in Supergirl. Um oh. and um Kristen Mercer in The Lying Game. Um the uh the guy who played the dad this is great this made me happy uh the guy who played the dad is like a actor in a bunch of things but not in anything interesting uh however he is a producer uh he has produced um a whole bunch of like reality tv show stuff and like um nature show adjacent things um, so, like, for example, uh, G Word, which is, um, a show about, uh, about looking at and loving going green, uh, Deadliest Catch, uh, which is a fishing show, Wild Justice, uh, which is, 
which does not even have a description on IMDb. I have no idea. It looks like it's another, like, fishing show. Uh, Shark Wranglers, Airplane Repo, Game of Arms, which is about, uh, which is about arm wrestling, which is an arm wrestling show. (laughs) I think this is a, I don't, I think this is a reality TV show. Yeah, it's a reality TV show arm wrestling show, which is incredible. Um, Fuck. Port Production. Uh, which is what it sounds like, uh, is, um, sorry, Port Protection, which is about, like, protecting, um, like, oh, wait, wait, no, wait, what actually, is this Sounds like Border Patrol, but on boats. Okay, (laughs) I gotta read this user review, uh, from, uh, I underscore high jump. Repeatedly, these poor over-the-hill and, quote, overweight folks fail to find and catch-kill food. Their hunting, fishing, and trapping skills far below the standard. Okay, so, um, ignoring the fat pho- actually, not ignoring, addressing the fat phobia. That's- that's rude, dude. Uh, this appears to be, like, people- they make people go out into the wilderness and try to survive? That's what this show is about? Um... God, reality TV shows fucking wild. Um, and finally, Valley of the Boom, which is a docudrama about the tech boom in Silicon Valley in the nineties. Wild. There's so much TV out out there, you guys. <laughs> and most of it's not good. Most of it's terrible. Um, finally, um, not finally. Finally, I have two more. Uh, Danny, the son, I was played by Dylan Minnette, um, who was Clay Norman in Saving Grace, uh, and Clay Jensen in Thirteen Reasons Why. I have no idea if this was on purpose or not. It's very weird. His two major roles are both named Clay. I shrug. <laughs> um. Finally, the cleaner lady was played by Karen Conaval, who was um, Freya uh, Dengdemore in Dirk Gently and Dr. Pelton in the Snowpiercer TV show. And also the mocap actor from Maurice in the Planet of the Apes movies, that orangutan. Wild. Wild. Anyway, now we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about uh, episode 12, uh, Chris Angel's Douchebag. Which is a lot more fun. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my god. Wait, don't don't do that. Do that on air. Come on. We are on air. This doesn't count. Wait. Are we back yet? Back yet? We haven't even done the synopsis. I don't Come know. On. We could be back. I mean, I can put us back whenever I want to. Yeah, exactly. With the <laughs> okay, magic of magic. editing. Ask him again. <laughs> okay. Why I want to hear your thoughts about the chief. Hail to the chief. <laughs> <laughs> it's 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 very I, my thoughts on the chief are complicated in a way that, okay, first of all, the chief rules. Mm-hmm. Second of all, the chief is absolutely, like, played as a joke in a way that's, like, a very, um, like, heteronormative lens. Uh, look at this guy, isn't it funny? Uh, but also, I think he rules. Yes, mm-hmm. Dean is safe word. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. That exactly. that that really sold him on me. I was like, oh, this is great. I love this. I have a spreadsheet. Okay. <laughs> I have a flow chart leading that points to this scene as Dean's queer and BDSM awakening. Good. Excellent. I have receipts. 
I've only got two of them, but that's because I don't know the show as well as other people do. <laughs> well, I'm can, sure Gabe could help me out here. You continue to build it as we watch. Mm-hmm. Updated yeah, exactly. in real time. Exactly, exactly. Okay, I think we're ready to like start Can I please now, do my though. synopsis? I worked so hard on it. Yes, go. Okay. Me, 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 me. While I'm about to do my synopsis, Ash, really? Okay, so 412, Chris Angel is a douchebag, written by Julie Siege. I have so much respect for her. Every time it's a good episode and it's not Bedland, it's her. So good job. Um, the recap is just Sam Ruby. Reminder that Sam said something about how he's not doing that anymore, but we, meaning first-time watchers, don't know what that is. Um, but maybe we'll find out. Let's see. So, The Cold Open, it's an episode about magic. A magician named Vance is yeah, helping Jay, who's an older magician at a bar, and the bartender says not to be mean to the old man, which hurts Jay's feelings. Next, we see Jeb Dexter, who's a young magician in Guyliner. He's a Chris Angel parody, um, and he's practicing his flashy act. Jay and his friends Charlie and Vernon are grumbling about him. Jay is, like, wildly depressed and decides to perform the Table of Death escapist trick, which should kill him, but when he tries, it doesn't. Meanwhile, outside, Vance collapses of ten magical stab wounds. Title card. Uh, Dean and Sam watch Deb Dexter do a very douchey trick. Sam defends magicians because he had a magic phase with little wands and everything when he was 13. Yeah, magic Adorable. Phase. Love this Sammy lore. Um, they so go, true. They go talk to Vance's assistant who found a Ten of Swords tarot card in his cape, which is not his. So that's our first clue. Um, Jay talks Charlie into letting him do another death-defying trick. He's feeling at the top of the world. He can do all his card tricks perfectly in contrast to the cold open. Um, Dean and Sam interview Vernon about using tarot cards while in the background Jeb is being a dick to Jay. Um, Vernon and Charlie say, hey, check out this address. Ask for the chief, uh, which turns out to be a gay BDSM club. And chief, as we've said, asks for Dean's safe word. Hmm. Um, <laughs> while Dean is out, Ruby shows up to tell Sam to stop dicking around with small cases instead of going off to Lilith to, quote, cut the head off the snake since 34 seals have already been broken, which is more than halfway, just like the season. She again alludes it's to absurd. Doing... So many broke off screen. <laughs> she again alludes to doing whatever it is that he refuses to do, and then she leaves. Um, Dean comes back, refusing to talk about where he's been or what he's found out. And um, Vernon and Charlie, 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 Charlie say they knew Dean and Sam were fake feds, and they all watch Jay escape a noose as unseen by them. Jeb Dexter in his room is hanged by a floating noose that tied itself. Um, the boys investigate the backstories of the characters, and they talk about dying before getting old. It's a conversation we will have to talk about. <sighs> and then Dean finds a hangman tarot card on Jeb's body and figures these are acting as, like, death transference black magic targets, similar to 112 Faith, where it's just a death transference spell. Um, but instead of a reaper, it's magic, so... They go interrogate Jay at gunpoint. They realize he doesn't know anything. They tie him to a chair to discuss, like... Vernon and Charlie, but when they turn back around to ask about them, he's gone, which is on them for tying a magician to a chair, and he sneaks around to call the cops on them. It's such a good joke. It's, it's so funny. good. <laughs> um, Jay talks to Charlie. He feels like uncomfortable about what Dean and Sam have said. He's kind of confused. He's doubting whether or not magic could possibly be real, but Charlie talks him into performing anyway, so he does the table of death again, and this time it's Charlie who's stabbed to death. R.I.P. Maybe. Um, so Jay <laughs> drops the charges against the boys to ask them what to do, and they say it's gotta be Vernon now since Charlie's dead. So Jay lures Vernon out of his room so the boys can look around, and as they find a poster for young Charlie, young Charlie steps out during, um, Jay and Vernon's talk to say, Hi guys, it's me. I'm very old. I have a real magic book, and I'm immortal. I killed those people as a gift to you. Come be immortal with me, in a platonic fraternal way. 
<laughs> Vernon is ready to say yes, but Jay can't accept it. Meanwhile, Dean and Sam show up and get fucking wrecked by magic until Jay stabs himself, which transfers to Charlie because Jay slipped him the magician card. In the denouement, denouement, um, Jay is depressed and alone, and Sam goes to Ruby because he doesn't want to be doing this when he's an old man. The end. Hello? It's me, boy. <laughs> the magician speaking to you inside your brain. <laughs> So this episode fucking evil. rules. This episode is great. It's um, so good. Are you this is one cash? of those this is this is one of those episodes where Sam and Dean don't need to be in it. Like mm -hmm, they're yeah. just on the side like these three old men are the fucking main characters of this episode. It's their story. They saw like Sam and Dean are just here because it's their TV show and we follow them into this like drama happening that they just happen to stumble into and get like vaguely involved with. But like these old men they are don't incredible. they don't solve the problem in the end. Like they're they are literally just here for the reason why the camera is on the story and I love it. It's great. Uh this is a excellent little short story that Dean and Sam are just in. They didn't need to be. I would have read the short story in like I don't know, uh, Uncanny or something, and thought it was sick. Um, I guess I should say for the pod, I fucking love magicians. Uh, magicians <laughs> are great. Uh, one of my favorite movies is The Prestige. Uh, one of my favorite books is The Night Circus. I love magicians and the idea of like I don't know. It's just such a fascinating subculture and like. The, the all the stuff surrounding it and like keeping your tricks like under wrap the stuff in this episode mentioned about like that magician that like steals other people's tricks and like that being a thing that's like deeply frowned upon great love that the idea of like being this old washed up magician who like does it like feels like he's not in it anymore because he doesn't have the like dexterity he used to and also he's watching like the youth of today and this like goofy fucking chris angel xp like move forward with showmanship and special effects in a way that like makes him feel deeply alienated uh leading toward him doing these like legendary like the way they talk about them like they have names these like tricks that one of them like is eventually like even tried. houdini wouldn't yeah. try it which is like where did this trick come from did someone succeed at doing it at some point like it's all so good i love it so much this episode rules that was really cute wyatt very sam coded <laughs> Yeah, magicians uh, are fun. This is a fun episode. Mm -hmm. I don't have very many notes for this episode because I was too hyped. <laughs> yeah, I have like a paragraph of notes because I already knew the plot. Um, and then I got a little bit confused and I was like, am I, am I wrong about this? I was not wrong about this. Um, chronologically then? Mm -hmm. Yeah. My first note is just gay with a period. These old men are gay, and there's gay. nothing you can do about These it. They're so good. Gay. They this do the thing where they, they make it not so gay good. by saying, like, he's like my brother. Yeah. Um, and to be clear, I don't think we need to make this any clearer than we already have, but, like, incest is bad. Um, writing that says, it's my brother for a completely not brother character as a way of making sure that you don't think they're gay is also bad. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Let these old magicians be and it, gay. It's a different yeah. level of bad. I just don't like it. <laughs> I mean, I... Like, if you, you can hold, dialectics, you can hold two different readings simultaneously. <laughs> um, I really like the, the gay reading of these characters. I also was, like, deeply touched and saddened by the, like, 
like he's more than a friend he's like a brother to me insofar as the connection between these two characters and the fact that they're old and like have been together yeah. for so long and mean so much to each other and here we see demon dean and sam on the like other end of like this long journey like looking at these two old men and like seeing the tragedy that is here at the end of their lives it's fucking juicy this episode okay. Um, okay. there's yeah, so much to, to talk clear, about like here. yeah things don't have to be gay to be interesting stories like, I feel like that shouldn't be a hot take, but, yeah. you know, I'm on TikTok. No, so I, I just it mean is that, a hot like, take for some the, of you out the there. brother, yes, the brother <laughs> parallel is fascinating to me mm -hmm. in the same way that, like, the, like, these guys may have been a couple way is, like, also very good and interesting. Also, why do Charlie and like, Vernon like know exactly leads. where to send Dean? Like, hmm. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, I guess, like, brief first thing, this, like, opening, um... This is a this is the longest um it's a very long uh, maybe cold it's open, not. Yeah. This feels like the longest cold open we've gotten so far cuz it's, like, it's like, three like three scenes. scenes. Yeah. Um and I like this first scene in the bar like opening with Jay uh like here cementing that Jay is the protagonist of this episode mm -hmm. uh unlike most cold open characters who die. Um he goes through this whole fucking character arc. It's great. It's good writing. Like, mm -hmm. we start with him, like, it, it shows in the same way I talked about last time, of, like, the most important things for us to see on camera, the thing happening. It shows that he's a washed-up old magician, like, because he's trying to do these card tricks and, like, this other magician who hates card tricks, which is a detail I really like and is funny, mm -hmm. uh, is, like, bullying him for it, and the bartender's, like condescending to him a little bit is like be nice to this old man which makes him feel even worse it's good shit and then like we see chris angel or like off broadway chris angel <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, and they have this conversation walmart chris angel yeah i want deb dexter's gender there is something so about deb guy Liner that incredible. just does it he does have incredible gender i do love how often this episode uses the term douchebag it's fucking incredible. It's so it, so, stupid. it's so supernatural. Mhm. Mm um do, do you know the do you know this song? Oh, it's in the transcript so I saw it when I was doing my synopsis. It's Yeah, the song is called I am the douchebag. Yeah. They recorded it for this show. They recorded they reco it for oh, yeah. this yeah. show, huh? Okay. That would explain why they put it over the credits after an extremely like sad scene. Yeah, they 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 part of why part of my enthusiasm for this episode also um is like they clearly had so much fun making this. Mm -hmm. Oh, absolutely! It's so it's so much fun. It's so camp. I love it. Yeah, I love camp. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Okay, these are the lyrics to "I Am the Douchebag." Um, by uh, Christopher Lennertz and Steve Frank Frankadakis, which I great last name. Mm -hmm. I believe, I believe, I believe the unexplainable. The unexplainable in my reality. It's unattainable unless it's through me. The darkness closes in and bleeds into my soul. It grows inside of me until it makes me whole. You can't see me. You can't feel me. But I will make it real. Mystify, sanctify, rectify. I rule the spirit world. Mystify, sanctify, rectify. I am the wizard of life. This place... <laughs> <laughs> which plays over this it's like, like every scene later. Scene. It's, it's very really, funny. It was like, I am the wizard of life is a fucking incredible line. Mm -hmm. uh, I mm -hmm. live inside your consciousness. I haunt your mind. 
Uh, you can't see me. You can't it's feel me. me. I'll make it PS5. real. And I, the, yeah, the, the chorus repeats again. It's so good. The song rules. Yeah. It's incredibly amazing. I love it so much. Oh, uh, yeah. Anyway, that song plays. Um, these three old men are very, like, Statler and Waldorfing over yeah. this performance. I get huge Jewish vibes off of at least Vernon, um, which is funny because I think oh, it's... Yeah. Um, Charlie's actor is actually Jewish. Yeah, I couldn't, like, I couldn't tell because I looked it up because I was curious. And I think, like it said, yeah, he's Richard, played, go on. um, he's played Italian, Jewish, and Hispanic. Like, he's, he's exactly in that, like, type set. Um, mm-hmm. so it's, it's hard to tell. I think he's actually Italian. His name is Libertini. His, so. his, yeah, his parents are from Italy. Um, he grew up in Massachusetts, though. Um, so he, but he grew up bilingual speaking both Italian and English. Cool. Um, yeah, yeah, but he, he gives me very large Jewish um, grandpa vibes, except that immediately mm-hmm. he like crosses himself and later he goes like sweet Mary and Joseph. So like, yeah, L. I, I got the same reading you did, Emma. Um, and when he did the, the cross, the, the Hail Mary, I thought it was a joke. Yeah. I started like I was scream like, laughing. <laughs> Um, what do you mean? That's my grandpa. I, I was like, the, the Jewish person that wrote this is having a time, huh? But no, I don't know if uh, yeah, I was about to check. He's just Jewish. I tried to find out, but I think I got uh, down a rabbit hole. Yeah, the um, the the uh, Charlie is the it's. I I know the actors. It's Barry Barry Bostwick, Richard L- uh, Libertini, and John Rubenstein. But John Rubenstein's character is Charlie, I think. Yeah. Mm. Um, yeah, John, John Rubenstein's Jewish. Uh, John Rubenstein is um, s- uh, the son of the famous pianist Arthur Rubenstein, uh, one of wow. the greatest pianists of all time, uh, which is fascinating. Uh, there's oh, a lot yeah, of really interesting details about all three of these actors. Uh, I cannot yeah, wait for Jewish after facts for this episode. That, yeah. Yeah. I can't find anything about Julie Siege being Jewish, so. So it's a crime instead of a funny joke. <laughs> it's not John, It's not John, uh, Richard Libertini's fault that he looks Jewish. My fault for falling <laughs> yeah. for the sweater vest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, my next note is that the blood on Vance's shirt looks good, like it's a good effect. Mm-hmm. Like, he just collapses. His shirt is not torn, and he just has, like, clearly stab wounds in exactly the marks the table would have left. Tasty. Um, and then my yeah, next note good. is during Jeb's um, sideshow, not sideshow, um, sidewalk show. Those are different things. Oh, um, <laughs> the demon possession. Yeah, well, yeah. Okay, but... let's. This, this wasn't in the synopsis, so let's set this up. Um, the boys see Jeb Dexter off-brand Chris, Chris Angel. They're, like, walking down the street, and he's like, what's the thing he fucking says that's really funny? He says, I don't um, do tricks. This is a demonstration. Yes, okay, listen this to this line. He says, this is a demonstration about demons and angels, love and lust. Okay, let me run that through you again. Past, run, whatever. <laughs> Let's run through that again. Run that by you again. Um, demons and angels, love and lust. Who are our side characters this season again? Mm, mm, hello like mm. hello uh-huh anyway um, anyway that's yeah, good she yeah. says all that stuff mixed up in my head i don't need um 
But whatever happens, no matter how messed up it gets, don't touch me, okay? For your own safety. And does this really cheesy, um, like pretend demonic possession where he like flings his cards everywhere and like the what is it the ace of diamonds oh ace of diamonds uh sticks to the uh wall of the building behind him which is legit a good trick it's like the in it's the inside of the window yeah which it looks cool as shit yeah. um oh it's the inside yeah, yeah he, he like squeaks like, his, his hand over the glass over how did he do that <laughs> why it's like magic. whoa <laughs> it's a cool trick it's just really cheesy yeah he goes like go back to hell yeah. demon well it's like yeah it's the it's, it's the really theatricality funny. that like jay and charlie and um vernon. uh vernon uh are like don't get and like can't comprehend yeah it's it's you know it's edgy yeah 90s 2000s yeah it's chris angel which, yeah. like, also, Jeff mentions Chris Angel's name, or he says Angel later. Yeah. yeah. Uh, which is Doing funny. Cirque du Soleil. Yeah, Cirque du Soleil. That should have been mine. It's good to know that Chris Angel canonically exists yeah. in the supernatural universe. Yeah. You never know when that might come in handy. Yeah, there's a bit. Yeah, <laughs> that's extremely the, ominous. <laughs> the use of the word douchebag is very funny. There's a bit where, like, two of the old men, like, say it. So I was just like, what a douchebag. Yeah, Vernon keeps uh -huh. saying it in particular. He goes, like, what yeah. a douchebag. It's so great. It's so good. It's um, a it's another really good scene that like sets up these like three old men and their relationship to each other and like the mm. fact that they feel alienated from like what their culture is becoming. Uh I wrote <laughs> 13 people and then heart. Anyone have any idea what that's <laughs> no. about? <laughs> Ash, how are we supposed to Ash your fucking notes? <laughs> I don't even know. Oh, oh, Sam was 13 years old when he did magic. 13 oh. people is in like, oh, he was 13 people, I would assume. Oh, yeah, 13 past... people just be, be have a magic, magic, uh, hyperfixations. Yeah. We all, we all been there. How did you get yeah. that? <laughs> I'm the, I'm the Ash interpreter. <laughs> He's been in too many voice calls with me. <laughs> And like you can read my bad hand, my bad typing. He can interpret what's going on in my brain. It's the you it's just... the it's the autistic autistic solidarity. Mm, uh huh. Um, yeah. So as I was trying to say, when they go interview the assistant, she's like dealing with his magic props while they talk. I love that. Oh, it's um, so. I good. always think it's about when people staging. move things around while they're talking to each other, and they yeah. have like she's yeah. pulling on like the like string of handkerchiefs and it just keeps coming and keeps coming and keeps coming like it's great it's so dumb. yeah she it's finds the little angora rabbit which is so cute um uh -huh. the rabbit makes like a foley sound effect that is not a noise rabbits make and <laughs> what's up doc <laughs> i love how much she hates Vin vince like even like posthumously yeah she's just like he's an asshole he's a dick like queen you could do better you should become a magician and just be better than him. Yeah. Yeah, the the rabbit makes like a rat noise, like a... <laughs> it's very funny. Thanks for that wonderful radio. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, like I said, I like the fact that like this asshole like stole other people's stuff. There's a thing she says, mm. um, uh, where is it? Um, I don't think that's in this scene. Oh. They, the... Charlie and Vernon say something about royalties when they're talking about this. Oh, scene. yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Vance crossed him about a year ago. Probably cost him 50 grand in royalties. 
Um, yeah, but as someone as someone who had who was watching that scene with foreknowledge and knows that they're actually just trying to get Dean to go to a gay club, like they're they're spinning things as they go. It's funny. Mm. Like I don't it's think so they're funny. actually yeah. saying the way anything they look about at each like other. Chief had to, yeah, anything that's to do true. with that's true. They're just that's like, true. what would these fake feds want to hear about? Like obvious motive. Yeah. Uh, the fact that like they're like we're fucking magicians. You tried to con us. We con people for a living. Later is really good. So good. <laughs> So I love how much of the boys struggle against these guys. I love whenever like um our the protagonists like don't know everything or like aren't able to do everything and the like when they're interacting with normal people. Uh, mm -hmm. like generally Sam and Dean are outmatched by like monsters and supernatural things. I like when like regular people just have like a completely different skill set from them in a way that results in them being outmatched. Mm -hmm. Like when Jay slips out of the... Yes, like when he slips yeah. out of the ropes, yeah. It's like, we should yeah. have seen that one coming. It's so good. And the way the camera does it is really good. I think it, Yeah, like, it slowly rotates. turns away from him, yeah, and, like, focuses yeah. on the two of them and then, like, turns back and he's gone. Uh, and, like, he didn't even go that far. He just slipped into the room, like, I next know, and the to the... I know, the fact that they're in the like... closet waiting for yeah. them to run out it's the It's like door. misdirection. Classic. Does he it's leave so the door open? I'm going back and looking so. at this now. No, because I, he... I I was paying attention to the sound of the door because I was like, huh, how did he do that? And then it turns out he okay. didn't. I would have been sure even better closed. if he left the door open as a way to misdirect them. Mm -hmm. Um, Before they... Uh, well, no, yeah, that was open. that was jumping ahead. So let's jump back yeah. to yes, even before a little bit. <laughs> um, When Jeb is doing his interview... Um, he says something about how, like, this is God. a dope chance to tip my hat to the wicked cats who came before me. Like, hysterical dialogue. Cats. It's really fucking funny. It's so good. Oh, and in the scene before that, um, Jay mentions bar mitzvahs. Hell yeah. Yep. Um, yes, Stuff he does. Yeah, yeah. And bar the scene before that's really interesting because Charlie is acting this whole time. Charlie's yeah. like, you're going to tell me how you did it. Uh, and is like... Yeah, yesterday you were saddled and dying. Today you're one of the great ones. Come on, this is me you're talking to. Jay's like, I, you didn't think I could do it. Charlie says, no, Jay, I didn't. You're my friend, my best friend. I just didn't want to see you hurt. This is all really interesting in hindsight. But, like, mm -hmm. what he's trying to do here is he, like, is, like, talking him up. Um, and, like, gets it. Like, he does this trick. And we see Jay do this very cool card trick where he gets all three aces out of the deck. Um, there's a, uh, YouTube magician, um, who, oh, fuck, fuck, what's his name? God damn it. I hate when not remembering a fact completely ruins my tangent. Um, yes, here we go. Okay. Yeah, there's a, there's a, a YouTuber I really like named, uh, Daniel Roy, who does car tricks on YouTube and shows you some fucking wild shit. Um, shout outs to Daniel Roy. I mean, I hope. I don't think he's a dick, but if he is, I don't know. If, I don't know about that. Don't come after. Don't come <laughs> after me if he is. Uh, but yeah, his his stuff is really cool. If you uh, like me, also enjoy a card trick, and he like shows you how he does it. Um, yeah, it's cool. And then yeah, the last uh, the last uh, the Ace of Hearts is in uh, Charlie's pocket, which is gay. What? <laughs> 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 it's it's hearts. Jay put oh, the ace oh, of yeah. hearts in he his pocket. Heart. That's a gay no, thing to right. do. It is, fellas. It's a very good and tender scene. I love it. Yeah, yeah they're sweet together. I have so many in thoughts on this. We'll talk together. about later. Um, Jeb Dexter's TV show is called Devil Twist. <sighs> so good. If this was like five or six years later, they would have made Jeb Dexter a YouTuber. Oh my god! <laughs> so true. The most annoying Twitch streamer. Uh huh. Sorry, what were you gonna say, Emma? Um, 
I was going to say that my next note is for the chief. So can we go to the chief now? Okay. Mine is literally just chief, chief, chief in all caps. Yeah, mine says chief, exclamation mark, too. So chief, huh? Yeah. I think Dean should have known the moment he saw that guy's Uh (laughs) v-neck. Dean doesn't have gaydar. Dean sees a man and will say, is this guy gay? That is none of my business. And simply not think about it. (laughs) So true. (laughs) I'm just saying words recreationally here. Uh Uh-huh. Um... Anyway, that is literally what this whole thing is that we're doing. (laughs) No, this is saying words professionally, semi professionally. Um, It's not professionally. We don't get paid for this shit. Yeah, we're not making money. We're making negative money. Yeah. Um, So, on that note, completely unrelated to that note, um, Dean, Dean, let's just go through the scene, right? Dean shows up. Uh huh. Uh, and he knocks on the door and some young guy like eyes him and he says, I'm here to see chief. And the guy like raises his eyebrows and opens the door for him. So he goes in and the guy says, stay here, don't touch anything and walks off. And Dean like looks around. We hear like distant, like, yeah, there's like club music in the background very quietly, just the thumping. Um, and then like out of like a, I don't know, a trap door practically, um, chief like walks up the stairs with like fucking golden glow behind him like a goddamn like a halo behind him as he's climbing these stairs we hear the music louder because this is where it's coming from and chief is like all in leather he's got like a flogger and he goes you are really gonna get it tonight big boy and dean is fucking staring at him he goes there's been a misunderstanding i think i've been had and chief says (laughs) she says I'm sorry, you can... <laughs> I had to bury my face in my hands real quick. He said, Oh, you ain't been had till you've been had by the chief. And Dean makes You've been had like, by the chief face. And Chief says, Oh, before we get started, he like drops the like tough act and he yeah. goes, Before we get started, what's your safe word? And Dean like chokes. It's so good. It's so fucking good. Dean gags. It's so funny. <laughs> it's Okay. It's incredible. So the premise of the scene is that, like, haha, what if a straight guy was sent to a gay BDSM club? Um, like, wouldn't that be funny as a way to humiliate him or, like, like at least inconvenience him because, obviously, he's not interested. And, like, it lands that way, sure, but it also lands, like, I don't know, I feel like Dean could have said something. Uh-huh. It lands, like, uh, gulp. He literally gulps. That Why did he gulp? gulp? Yeah. Um... He didn't even say like, "Oh, I'm gonna go." Talk about my flowchart later on. I am like, uh, hmm. I'm fairly sure this is the same Chris Burns. If it's not, then IMDb early actor fact. If yeah, we're getting an early actor fact because like this guy wasn't like in anything. Um, but uh, it was a um, uh, was an offensive lineman uh for the Canadian Football League. Uh, for many years, played for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, the Ottawa Rough Riders. There's two. Don't yes. There's two Rough Riders teams in Canada. It's don't worry about it. Uh, the Calgary Stampeders, so the Hamilton Tiger Cats, and the Ottawa Renegades. Um, good for him. So yeah, he was. He's good he's a Dean. big guy. He definitely <laughs> looks like he could be an offensive lineman. Uh, but then he went into acting. Also good for him. Jenna's. He hasn't really been in anything like besides like an extra, but. But he did go down in history he, listen, as the first gay yeah, character he goes down in history, he, who didn't he die he in nailed. that same episode. <laughs> he nailed this role, yeah. He's so good. He played dumb thug in Watchmen. 
Uh, my next uh, note is on all caps. Ah, that very nearly ripped my paper. Uh huh. Yeah. It's about the conversation about whether or not they'll be doing this. Or not. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. one second before that, we have a Ruby scene. Um, she calls Lilith a bitch. We've we've talked about. She didn't used to yep. do that. Yep. Um, also, the hashtag not my Ruby. Yeah. The um trivia section pointed out. I think this is where, yeah, Sam's like, you got something against magic, which is funny because she used to be a witch. It's really funny. <laughs> I also, yeah, I also wanted to call that line out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and Ruby says the whole thing about, like, you should admit to yourself that you like it, whatever it is that she's trying to get him to do. Mm-hmm. Um, which psychic we stuff, do, we, I would assume. I mean, related. He we know it's something the about that. stuff he has a problem with. Yeah. Mm, okay. But we know that it's okay. something. She says, I know what you got a problem with, but tough, it's the only way. So Wyatt doesn't know what this is yet, so we're being very polite and okay, not telling okay, you. Okay, okay. Um, <sighs> but whatever it is, oh, I like it in the context of like play it off of last episode, Dean saying that he liked torture. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Both our boys are, 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 we are revealing the darkness in their hearts. <laughs> Ooh, there's something a little bit fucked up about them. A little bit fucked up about these boys. A little bit fucked up and nasty. I'm (laughs) kink-shaming. Okay, so with that weird clue for Wyatt, we can move to the next season. Um, I think it's funny that Ruby just, the plot just like drives into the middle of this Monster of the Week episode. Yeah, it's great. And Ruby's like, what the fuck are you doing here, Sam? There's a plot happening off screen. Do you know how many seals have been broken? And Sam's like, listen, I'm just trying to be a Monster of the Week protagonist. Leave me alone. Mm-hmm. It's really funny. It's like extremely, you can feel the structure of the show starting to strain under its own weight. And we're only yeah. in season four. Like it wants to have its cake and eat it too, in terms of having an overarching plot and also being a monster of the week episode. And like, they can't, they've, they're at the point now where they can't write this fun magician short story with the boys involved, uh, without being like, Hey, knock, knock. Remember there's a plot it's happening. Ruby's here to be like, hey, Sam, what the fuck are you doing here? And yeah, Sam, what the fuck are you doing here? Why are they here? Like, they do have more important things to be dealing with. Yeah, I guess. I also, I like the way Ruby says uh, people are going to die, Sam. Oceans of people. It's a good metaphor. So, so past the Ruby scene, um, Dean shows up from Chief and Sam says, he, well, he says to Sam, find anything interesting? And Sam, who has not actually been doing research because he's been talking to his demon girlfriend, says, yeah. what? Uh, no, yeah. you? And Dean says, nothing I want to talk about or think about ever again. <laughs> interesting. Hmm. Interesting. Much to consider. Um, Vernon and Charlie here are talking about Charlie is continuing to, like, <laughs> talk up his buddy. It's like there was something in his eyes. Um, I love how much this is very fun thinking about in hindsight of like the things charlie says and does yeah mm-hmm. meanwhile he's, he's like what's the matter die. chief not your type uh-huh so good yeah this is why do the, they like, keep microaggressing dean why happens. uh-huh because it's funny it is funny it's, it's so funny. funny every time <laughs> it's funny to someone send someone on the on the uh on like a wild goose chase mm-hmm. um sam tries to do or no yeah, Dean and Sam try to do a lie. Uh, Dean it's starts as like, we're aspiring so magicians. Cute. 
It's very pathetic. I don't think they buy it for a minute. Sam does like this little laugh where he like tugs on his collar. He goes like, eh. um, uh-huh. it's so dumb and anime. I love it. Yeah, <laughs> it is kind of anime. He does a little shrug that's got his hands in his pockets. It's very um, cute. We get the second uh, trick and we see we see Jeb die and get hung. It's it's like it's kind of rough, but it's also really funny. And like the way it is is shot to like this fucking like weird, like animated rope coming up, like sneaking up behind it's him so like a cartoon snake. Yeah, with he's this doing stupid his song playing see, like routine uh-huh. and eyeing uh-huh. himself in the mirror. And then suddenly there's a snake rope jumping down from the ceiling. <laughs> it was the speckled band. What? I was just about to wonder how niche of a cut that was. <laughs> Why yeah, I do no these things? It's, oh. it's probably not that niche because I'm dumb. But No, the speckled band is a Sherlock Holmes story where it, spoilers uh, oh. involves a snake coming from the ceiling. Great. Yeah, I haven't read that one. My, my Sherlock mm, Holmes we did that one in is, is mixed. Oh, that's you got fun. to read Sherlock Holmes. That's no, cool. maybe it was like eighth grade. I don't know. It was elementary. It was it was school. Was my point. Um, Dean is like very impressed with this magic trick. It's so cute. Yeah. Jet, like so Jay stands up and he deal. like he's made it. You know, he opens the curtains and oh. he's like, "Oh, that was amazing! Right. That was freaking amazing!" Yeah, and Sam, who knows about this magic shit? Shows. Yeah, it's like he literally could not have done that. It's impossible. Which is cool. I like that. I like the way it sets up. Sam knows magic, and Sam then recognizes that like actual magic is occurring here. Mm-hmm. I'm taking Zine on a date to a stupid little magician circuit. So true. That'd be fun. Yeah. So then, then they go have their conversation. Um, apparently, according to the trivia section, the... Dean says, I hope I die before I get old, which is a line from uh, which is a the reference Who song, to, uh, which I didn't know, song but the rest of the conversation about, still is on the same line, yeah. so, yeah, but, uh, <gasps> I enjoyed that, yeah, so, so, I literally screamed when he said that, it sounds like, you think we will die before we get old, and Dean says, haven't we both already, oh, okay, <laughs> like, Dean's, what, 29 now, when did this air? Uh, two thousand nine. No, I mean like which? Yeah, it was it was two days before his thirtieth birthday. Mm. Damn. And he says, "I hope I die before." Dean, I get old. Dean says, "Haven't we both already?" Sam says, "You know what I mean, Dean." Which you think you we'll know, still fair. be chasing demons over sixty? And Dean, who is nope. going to die before he's sixty, says, "No, I think we'll yep. both be dead for good." <sighs> You want to end Ugh. up like Travis, huh? Gordon, I hate maybe? this scene Sam in the context of the finale. I hate it. I hate it. Yep, yep, yep. Oh God, it's yeah. great. Um, Dean says, "Oh yeah, there's a poster child for growing old gracefully." Come on, Something man. Means Bobby's... your dad. Don't. Yeah, that's your dad. You're talking about. Yeah. And Dean says, "Sammy, it ends bloody or sad. That's just the life." Which is. Yeah. Oh, Sam I want to put this over the finale win. shots. I want to. Which is, like, a wild thing to say. Like, monsters appear to just... Ex- are a thing that ontologically exists and will always exist. Mm-hmm. It's yeah, like, like, you can't they stop They emerge from, from nowhere. Forming. They are, like... There is no historical materialism in Supernatural. <laughs> well, in, like, later seasons, we're going to get, like, a little bit of backstory for, like, how right. monsters exist. But there isn't a way to, like, okay. you know, kill one big right bad monster. Now. And then that's all yeah. the monsters you'll have to kill forever. There's, for one thing, ghosts are still going to exist, you know? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And Sam's like, we should go after the source. 
And he says, which is why I quoted this in the synopsis, this is where he repeats uh, yeah. Ruby's words, cut the head off the snake. Um, Dean says, and problem Dean's like, with there's the snake a million snakes. <laughs> he said it has a thousand heads. Evil bitches just yeah. keep piling out of the Volkswagen, <laughs> which is like <laughs> which is monsters really funny. in this clown car. It's so funny. It's a Kripkeism. It is. But it's not a Kripke episode. It does feel like it, yeah. Yeah, it's it's um, trying their hardest to make Dean sound like Dean. I mean, like, I think it works. I'm not saying it's trying too hard. It is very hard to write Dean voice because he just does yeah. not talk like a person ever. Um, Yeah, then he goes, then they, like, go to find Jay and are like, you're doing real magic. And Jay's like, what the fuck are you guys talking about? Um, shout out to Jay. Shout out to all three of these actors. They're all really good. And like, they've all been acting since the sixties. So like, of course they are, but like, they're all here to like sell these roles so much. Like Jay does a really good Mm -hmm. job in like all of these scenes in this scene, particularly Mm -hmm. like really sells being like, I have no idea what the fuck is going on. And like, is the, is the emotional core of this show, particularly with like the way it ends and the climax and everything that we'll talk about soon. Um, he's great. I like him a lot. <laughs> um, when Jay, well, no, this is not when, when he sneaks out. This is when Sam was supposed to be following him. Um, and Sam says he slipped me and Dean says he's a 60 oh, yeah. year old and Sam goes, he's a magician. He's a magician. <laughs> it's good. So good. Um, and then they like, they do this little peek around the corner where they do the like, oh, I love oh, stack. Yeah. it's heads. so funny. I screenshotted this the first, the last time I watched this episode, like last year. It's very cute. Um, it's, it's very funny. Like one head and then the other peeks out. Mwah. We love to see it. Um, the bit where that he's like, please just let me go. And dude's like, something's not right. And Tim says, usually they're whipping some badass hoodoo at us right by now. Not a fan of the use of hoodoo in this context, but it is a funny, like, it is if he had said usually the whipping's a badass magic at us by now, I would like that line, like even without the problematic aspect of it. Um it's mm-hmm. just funny. It's a funny thing to say. Yeah, and then it immediately cuts like, to him being tied happening? up. Like Yeah. <laughs> that was Yeah, I was like, cut. what do we do with him? Cut. Yeah, it's a good. It's funny. It's very good. And then they're like, Well, it's either Charlie or Vernon, because they're the only other characters in this episode, and they turn around and he's gone. Uh-huh. There's um, no consequences when... for the cops being called on them. Yeah, the, there is no consequence for the for the cops, um, except for the fact that they are in jail long enough for a third um, death to happen. Yeah, that's Which, like, true. That's why that's like the plot contrivance. They had there, to be out of the, the boys way. Boys got off screen. They we need to get these interlopers out of the way so we can continue with the protagonist's <laughs> story. So true. So true. Get rid of those guys. Um, oh, I did want to note there's one of the cops who arrests them is black, um, and the bartender from the cold open and the very end is also a woman of color. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I like that bartender. The scene at the end with her is really cops. sad. We'll talk about it. Yeah. Um, anyway, there's a bit where, um, like, Jay is now, like, what's happening? Like, I, I haven't been able to do this in here. Like, is there magic happening? And Charlie's trying to convince him not because he's the one doing the magic. Um, and he's like, Patrick Vance died, and that Jeb Dexter, and Charlie's like, yeah, no great loss there, and Jay says, oh, Charlie, didn't deserve to die, in a way that I liked. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, manages to convince 
um jay to go on stage he said but you did some somehow you did jay when you were in your day you were incredible the incredible jay you were the best i ever saw and now you got it back i don't know how but it doesn't matter just to see you at the top of your game again hell it makes me feel young which like he's doing all this for his friend it's like yeah he's murdering mm -hmm. people but like <laughs> it's really it i don't know i like it it's good like charlie right, is not immune to the power of friendship really good i'm not so true I just I want these gay old men to be happy, and they they're not, and it's very sad, and we'll, we're mm -hmm. getting there. Um, and my then, last note is a smiley face, so don't don't go looking at me to move the plot forward here. <laughs> Charlie dies from this trick. Uh, yeah. Jay drops the charges. Um, this is the line I was talking about, where Jay says, "I was just a kid when we first met. All I knew was how to cheat at cards. Charlie got me out of more scrapes than I can count. Hell, I would have been dead by the age of twenty if it hadn't been for him. He was more than my friend; he was my brother." Mm-hmm. Oof. Oof. Meanwhile, Sam and Dean are standing right here. <laughs> Meanwhile, Charlie's not even dead; he's literally just fucking with him. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Quit telling people I'm dead. My like one major problem with this episode is it's sort of unclear how the ritual that Charlie is doing works, but it doesn't really matter That's because the, the emotional point. resonance is the thing that matters. Yeah. yeah it's like I want to know more like... about this grimoire. I want to get this yeah. book, but like at least get some closure about it. Say that they burned it I, or something, the... but it's fine. Yeah. I guess the one thing, the one thing in a way that it would matter is like, what is the cost? What? Because they like they imply that the murders are part of the um are part of him becoming young again um but it's like is it two ritual sacrifices is that all you need like so it's it's unclear there is the line where dean says that real magic is like crack so i think it yeah. might be like a corruption arc type of thing where like if you use this magic then you'll lose your morality and kill, you know find no problem killing people i don't know if that's like actually I, I the take we're supposed to have I don't know. It feels like he needed to to do the murders to be young again. I but I don't know. I, I mean, if he did not, then like there's an e there's no reason not to take the deal even more so. Just don't yeah, do murder. Yeah, Vernon had the right idea. He was like, "All right, let's go be gay immortal." But like, forever. it feels like at least to me anyway. Like, magic needs to have a cost. Like, yeah. you're not going to get immortality for free. I presumably like these lives are being sacrificed yeah and, like, and i don't mind that we don't know the cost because like we get jay asking yeah. what the cost is and charlie doesn't say yeah. um which leaves like a blank space for us to play with That's which fair. is why i have my take and it's That's not fair. confirmed which is fine by me oh uh, yeah dean says that line here they're like was it vernon like it's someone who's in your court like vernon's the only other <laughs> one um we see we see Vernon's hotel room. He's like walking, watching TV. What was the thing he wanted to tell Jay? The, the, oh right, Jay he got, got the headliner his big gig. performance. I didn't put it in the synopsis because um, it doesn't actually yeah. matter. But like his career yeah. is back up. Um, he says, "I'll be there in two shakes," which I liked. Um, Old mannerisms. I also really liked Dean and Sam like going into his room and Sam being like, "Wow, it's a magic museum." Um, and Sam says he's been on the road his whole life. Probably everything he owns in this is in this room. Yeah, some more Sam Winchester coding <gasps> Yeah. Um, but yeah, Jay has the headliner gig, and Vernon's trying to convince him to be like, you got to do it for Charlie, man. And Jay's all fucked up over this. Vernon's like, he was my friend, too. Jay says, hell of a way to treat a friend, and like thinks that Vernon did it. And Vernon's like, what the fuck are you talking about? And then young Charlie shows up. Yeah. Vernon says, sweet Mary and Joseph. Um, and they do some little exposition. Uh, we get established that the cards are still, you know, under the spell so that we can use them later, um, which is, is good writing. 
And then um, Jay mm-hmm. says, you use me to do these terrible things. And Charlie says, I use them to give you a gift, which is nice reversal. I love when people twist each other's words. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, he says, and you wanted it, uh, which also is played off of the Ruby Sam situation. Oh, right. Also, a, a detail that I liked is like they figure it out. Uh, they do that great thing where, like, the detective solves the mystery in the exact same moment that, like, the mystery is revealed elsewhere, uh, where they mm-hmm. notice the birthmark that Charlie has on the image of a, like, old, like, a piece of art for a magician from, like, a long time ago um, in, like, Vernon's collection of stuff, which, like, surprised Vernon never, like, I, I mean, obviously he wouldn't, It's thinking that his friend is an immortal wizard is beyond the pale, uh, but... I'm interested if he ever is like, hey, this guy's got the same birthmark as you. Mm-hmm. You guys related? <laughs> um, on that note, the I mean, this is stealing your bit because it's an actor fact, but the young Charlie and old Charlie are um, father and son. Oh, really? According to the trivia oh, I didn't section. I actually know yeah. that. That's great. Uh, I have a different piece of trivia for young Charlie. That's cool. That's that's good. I, it, okay. Is that Wait, is that their actual time. birthmark then? Uh, or is that makeup? That. I don't know. I guess I could just look up a picture of their faces. It's probably but, like, um, yeah, anyway, he's a wizard. He, um, yeah, he said, he says, um, uh, they're like, how old are you? And he's like, oh, right now about 28, but I ran a lot longer than that. Uh, long enough to a shield for Barnum, who he's talking about P.T. Barnum, Barnum here, the, um, circus guy, showman. The greatest uh, showman, dude. The, yeah, from the 1800s. Mm-hmm. Apparently, um, P.T. Barnum gave him this grimoire. Yeah, which is real, real <laughs> along Samuel the same Colt lines too. as um, Samuel Colt, the wizard, P.T. Barnum and Samuel Colt, the 1800s wizards. Um, <laughs> yeah, he has the cards, like, wouldn't touch those Vernon there. They're still radioactive, which is fun. It's like, they're still magic. Um, Jay's like, you killed them. And Charlie's like, what, you think this is a parlor game? You're being humiliated by those punks, which is like, showing his um his like amorality that he has gotten after being alive for like 200 years and being like yeah whatever i'm a cool immortal guy like like these people's lives don't matter they were bullying my friend mm-hmm. um like i was there for you like i've always been like i'll always be come with me both of you think the first time around was good the second time's even better all the know-how none of the aches and pains I've never made this offer before, but then again, I've never had friends like the two of you before. Let me do this for you. And Jay is, you know, concerned about the price tag. Um, yeah. He says this isn't right. Um, and Charlie says, I know I don't want to come back alone to start all over alone. Yeah. The, the keyword alone twice there. Oof. And Vernon's, and Vernon's, Vernon's like, convinced. Jay, he's like, we Jay, we can that. be young again. Yeah. Charlie yeah, says. Yeah, he's like nodding along. Char- he's like, yeah. yeah. Charlie says the three of us together are vital and alive forever. It's like. This is fascinating. I love this shit. And then Dean and Sam show up. <laughs> Dean Dean shows up with the most Dean showing up in existence. He's referencing fucking Cocoon. The, it's crazy. Um, the 1985 sci-fi movie <laughs> starring, not even starring Steve, Gert- Steve Gutenberg. Like, he's in it, but he's not even the starring role, I don't think. It's so weird. Dean, baby, you are so weird. Um, and then Sam, so so Dean starts getting choked by a noose like Jeb Dexter did. Uh, Sam shoots at oh. Charlie and he like catches it in his teeth. He and catches he's like, hey, the bullet. I've been working on that. It's um, really good. It is really good. And Sam gets like strapped, magically strapped down onto the t- death sword table. Yeah, just get owned by this wizard. 
Um, mm. and then Jay uses the um uses the tarot card to get him. Um, and looks so sad that he's done it. Like the way yeah. he like looks down at the knife and like looks up. And Charlie says, "Jay, you picked these strangers over me," and like collapses and dies. And yeah, it's really good. It's rough. And then the mm-hmm. next scene. Like Sam and Dean go, like, you okay, whatever. And then immediately we're in a bar, and Dean's like, hey, we wanted to thank you. And Jay says, I killed my best friend yesterday. You want to thank me? (sighs) And then Vernon leaves. Jay's like, oh, he's gone. Mm -hmm. He said, didn't want to speak to me again after what I did to Charlie. Dean says, listen, Jay, you know, Charlie was never going to give up what he was doing ever. You did the right thing. And Jay says, are you sure about that? You know, Charlie was like my brother and now he's dead because I did the right thing. He offered me a gift and I just threw it back in his face. So now I have to spend the rest of my life old and alone. What's so right about that? The bartender's like, Jay, you're oh, yeah, he gets up and leaves. And the bartender says, like, Jay, your cards. And Jay says, throw them away. Yeah. And that's the last we see of Jay. It's so fucking Finally, some tasty fucking consequences. Yeah. Literally. Like, yeah, this is a one-off is episode where we actually get to see some repercussions. Yeah. And, like, he did yeah. do, like, he stopped, like, it was bad, like, he was murdering people. <laughs> like, it's, uh, he was going to murder Sam and Dean. Mm-hmm. And this is the delicious, messy shit that I love of, like, did he do the right thing? Like, could he, could he have gone with them? Like, he is still, like, fully a human. Like, he's he's murdering people, but, like... Like I said earlier, like people are elastic, like after a long mm-hmm. enough time, like, I don't know, maybe having like having a community, having friends like Vernon and Jay being there with him may have like unjokerified him. Like, who knows? Like, there's mm-hmm. no way of knowing Uh, he did what felt like the right thing in the moment. And it did save Sam and Dean's life. But also he killed a person he's known for like 40 years it's so sad. Over 40 years, yeah. Like, there's he no said good he's, he's known him here. since before he was 20, and Zine calls him 60. So, like, more than 40 yeah. years. Yeah. It's good. This is the shit I like about television shows. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, it just makes you sit, th- sit with this. There's no right answer. Yeah. It's a character made a decision and has to mm-hmm. live with that. It's good. It's really good. And then Sam's takeaway from this is, hey, I'm going to go with Ruby because I, you want things to be over. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to be doing this mm-hmm. when I'm an old man. Which, which I'm excited to see how that's going to lead into the next episode. What is the next episode? Oh, hold on. <laughs> Me and Ash immediately going like, huh. oh, okay. Wish lists were stacked instead of this goddamn family remains, but that's okay. <laughs> so we get this episode about being old men. Next episode, we get about being young men. Everything is good. Everything is fine. I'm so normal. I'm going to eat a cow. <laughs> oh, but next episode is written by Dab. So, God knows. And then the episode after that, Emma. The episode after that, Catherine Humphreys coming to save me. Mm. The the episode the, okay we have a lot of episode. episode coming next cool uh-huh the rest of the the rest of the season is literally just piling it on so we're gonna be unhinged for the next uh four weeks yeah. great excellent glad to have emerged from the darkness of the previous episode jumping into this very good one and then going into whatever y'all are talking about <laughs> <laughs> let me actually go through season four again I'm real fine. quick I'm it's normal. 
Where's the episode list? Okay, I found After it. After school yeah, special, yeah. sex and violence. Death takes a holiday on the head of a pin. It's a terrible life. The monster at the end. Oh, my God. Jump the shark. The rapture. When the levy breaks. Lucifer rising. Oh, my God. Okay. There's no misses left, I think. Yeah, yeah there's... It's just... There's so much to go Oh, my God. About. Oh, my God. Okay. Okay. I'm done my notes for this episode. Does anyone <laughs> else have anything? Mine's um, just a sad face from when Sam goes, I don't want to be doing yeah. this as an old man. Uh, thematically, I guess, like, I, this has sort of been beneath what I've been saying about a lot of stuff about this episode. But the way this, like, talks about... I, I really like the theme here of, like, getting old and, like, losing your edge and the boys being at one end and these magicians being at the other and the parallels that the show puts there particularly with the magicians and the idea of like being so devoted to a way of life that when you have reached the end of it and realize you can't like do it anymore like you're too old to start over like they don't know anything else other than being a magician like to jay this is his life in a way that like not being able to do it anymore made him literally suicidal like he was going to do a trick that would kill him because he would rather take mm -hmm. the extremely slim percentage chance of him actually doing it uh than continue to live um which is rough. He, he says, at least I would have gone out on a headline. Yeah, yeah. And it's, like, the, the like, the fame of it, like, the, um... And this is part of why, like, magicians are a thing that fascinates me, of, like... Because it requires so much dedication, and it is so much, like, if this is the life you choose, like, this is it. Um, in a way that, like... And that's true about a lot of stuff. Um, but there's a certain, certain sort of, like, showmanship associated with magicians that, like... Um... I don't know, requires devotion in that way, um, is, like, hard to do anything else, particularly because how much, like, skill and talent it takes and how much you have to keep training that, um, and, I don't know, like I said, I really like The Prestige as, like, a movie about two people who are just absolutely obsessed with being the best above all else and will go to such, like, ridiculous, like, self-destructive, like, utterly life-devoting lengths to like be the greatest at what they're doing um i don't know that's sort of like stories like that about like people trying to like surpass uh, like what being a regular human is or like trying to reach like very pinnacle and heights of like achievement and fame and like the way that that burns down the rest of your life uh are always very interesting to me and so yeah i mm -hmm. like this episode a lot <laughs> <laughs> oh, are we allowed to hear the spreadsheet now? Yeah, I was I was going to throw to Ash if uh if we can. Here is my tangent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, before we end, uh, we're going we're going on an Ash tangent everybody. Um so I thoroughly believe it is my headcanon now that this interaction with the chief is Dean's gay/BDSM awakening, okay? Cuz he like gags or gulps or does not seem very enthusiastic at all and whatever happens after that is immaterial <laughs> because later on at least two accounts dean expresses enthusiasm about bdsm specifically about subbing okay um, i know one of them i, I can't who's... remember the other one unless you mean the blooper reel i don't know Oh, that is a blooper reel. That's a deleted scene. Yeah, it's the actors goofing around, not, but you know what? Reel. It counts. They filmed it. Um, 
Well, okay, so there's a time when he's talking to someone and they say, okay, we have to lay down some rules. And he says, oh, like sexy rules? So that's number one. She has him, like, backed against Uh, the wall while this this conversation is happening. Yes. Um, And this is apparently a blooper reel. This is what I get for thinking things. Um, (laughs) And an act... This is the actors. I'm not going to say who the actor is or who the character is because spoilers, but um, Dean and... Well, I guess Jensen and the actress playing a character Dean is um, involved with. Uh, I think she, like, she either mentions or she, like, brings out a writing She says something like, time to go to bed, and, like, pulls out a crop and, like, a giant tub of lube. (laughs) And he fucking jumps out of his seat and, like, clicks his heels. Which, why did they even have that on set? (laughs) Well, they need all the lube to throw in people's faces. That's true. Explain the crop then. Robert Singer, explain. Anyway, um yeah, so that's my that's my tangent. Um I ran out of steam because I had to wait so long, but yeah, this is my this is my theory that this is the like I would imagine hell changed a lot of like how Dean feels about pain and intimacy, but also I think as a part of his healing process. It could be good for him to uh, explore. I'm saying this really seriously, <laughs> and I shouldn't be, but I think it would be good for him to explore uh, helplessness and pain in a safe environment with people he trusts. Valid Which is all to say that I think I think Dean is a sub. <laughs> yeah, and like to be clear, sexual preferences of orientation and like just position and. Um, kink like any of that doesn't actually have anything to do with like characterization but it can um and since this is all fictional and we're not talking about actual people then it's just you know another way for us to explore characters so like headcanons about sexual position and preference like real people don't work that way but when it's fiction it can and if you read any of um mine and emma's fix you know that there's nuance to my thoughts about (laughs) dean's uh Everything, we haven't even posted so. any of that yet. <laughs> God damn it, why not? <laughs> Do you want to edit all of it? I work all right. a full-time uh, job, babe. Me too. All right. <laughs> so, so anyway, actor yeah. facts time. Um, I'm going to save the big three for last. Um, first of all, before that, um, Jeb Dexter was played by uh, Luke uh, Camilleri who also played Dionysus in Percy Jackson, oh. uh, Gustav on a series of, pers- of unfortunate events, and uh, Frank Biacci on Family Law. Uh, young Charlie is played by Michael Weston, who plays Houdini uh, in Harry and Houdini, which I thought was funny because he's also a magician in that. Um, and then Alex Zahara, who plays the asshole who gets killed in the code cold open, what's his name? <laughs> I don't have Vance. his name here. Uh, Vance. Vance, thank you. Um, is a uh, voice actor who played the main character, Nick Logan, of uh, Roswell Conspiracies, Aliens, Myths, and Legends, an animated TV show from the like late 90s, I believe. Um, oh, it's getting a computer-generated reboot. Uh, it, wait, has that happened? It was supposed to premiere in fall 2021. I don't know. 
anyway, he was the main character of that. Uh, he's also been, he also plays Mr. Mizuki in the dub of Nana and uh, Locked On Stratus in the dub of Mobile Suit Gundam Double Zero. Um, and then we've got the old man. Uh, first of all, uh, our leading leading man, uh, Jay, is played by Barry Bostwick, who is most famously known for being the protagonist of the Rocky Horror Picture Show, Brad Majors. Incredible. Um, he's, uh, he's been in a bunch of stuff. He's in Spy Hard, uh, Norman, Col Norman Coleman. Um, he is in, uh, he is the, like, vi villain, I guess, the foil uh, of the sitcom Spin City, the late 90s, early 2000s. Uh, sitcom starring Michael J. Fox and Charlie Sheen. Um, he is he he like okay. Another thing, all of these um, all of these lads are stage actors predominantly. Um, he was in like uh, Barry Bostwick was in like Pirates of Penzance, Penzance, Penzance. I don't know how to. I don't know which I'm so self-conscious about my accent on like ah words that I don't know which one is the correct way of saying it. Um, but yeah, start played Zon Donnie Zuko in like a famous production of Grease. Um, I was in like a whole bunch of fucking things. I, it's like I these these men have all lived long lives and have been acting since they were young in a way that's like I could talk about them for a long time. Um, most famously, though, Barry Bostwick is, uh, protagonist of Rocky Horror Picture Show. Um, he's been, also been on Law and, Law and Order SVU. Yeah, been, been in a bunch of, bunch of, like, musicals and Broadway shows and stuff. Uh, next up is Richard Libertini, um, who, like I said, another Broadway and off-Broadway, uh, actor, um, wrote and starred in uh the off-broadway show stewed prunes uh in 1960 and has been acting ever since uh is like minor parts in a whole lot of movies um was a regular in the sitcom family man um yeah starred in a bunch of other stage shows um was in the finelli boys uh as uh a as father angelo lombardi Oh, he's a great name. Um, and then John Rubenstein, who, like I said earlier, is the son of the famous pianist uh, Arthur uh, Rubenstein, um, has been in a billion Broadway shows. I think, like, for him, I'm not sure if there's any, like, major starring TV roles. Uh, he has just been in a billion things as, like, minor characters or, like, characters with decent speaking roles and has been, like, the lead in a decent number of... Broadway shows or like major characters in those. Um, so yeah, shout out to all these actors. Um, unfortunately, uh, Richard Libertini died in 2016. Uh, may he rest in peace. He's very, very good in this episode. Um, I was oh, about he was to in the Popeye movie. Also, say rest in peace for him. I forgot again that he's not Jewish. Yeah, he's not. <laughs> he's not Jewish. Well, may his memory um, be a blessing anyway. <laughs> yeah, the other two are still alive. Are continuing to be in things. Shoutouts. They're all very good. It's it's it must be Yeah, be I don't know. I'm just sitting here thinking about being old and doing the same thing for so long because that's what the headspaces episode has put me in. Um Yeah, whew. That's 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 us done now, I believe. Um 
we kind of did the next episode already. Mm. Yeah, well, just to repeat, mm-hmm. we're doing after school um, special and sex and violence. Yeah. Um. Anyway, thank you very much. For, oh, we don't have any. We have any letters or like asks or anything from from last time. Yeah, we got nothing in the inbox news since last time. All right. Um. So yeah, if you. <laughs> We don't have anything, we don't have any questions or comments today, but as a reminder, uh, if you would like to send those in. Oh, um, I can check the I Twitter don't, also. I don't know why I'm, <laughs> no, I was just oh, looking I'm at Twitter. Oh, I'm on Twitter, there's, there's nothing. nothing. You can, best way, best way is to do a ask on Tumblr at, um, oh God, I don't do this. Someone help me. <laughs> Wordofgodcast.tumblr.com. Thank you. Or email us at wordofgodcast at gmail.com. Thank you. I thought so. I wasn't sure. I wasn't confident enough. <laughs> I've been talking for a while. My throat hurts. Uh, Bro, you got like four more hours of talking to do. Yeah, I know, but I can shut. I'm not, I don't have to constantly talk. I'm not GMing. Um, if I was true. GMing, I'd die. I'm so glad I, I'm so, so glad we're not. Anyway, anyway, <laughs> thank you very much for listening. Uh, please rate and review us on the podcast platform of your choice. Tell your friends, tell your family, tell your neighbors about Word of Godcast. Tell your dogs. And until next time, we're going to be freaking out about getting old and rushing off in a car. The Last Ones by Jazar on freemusicarchive.org. Licensed under an attribution share alike 3.0 international license. Find a link in the episode description.